Good evening, everybody. Welcome in on Thursday evening to Hoopsville as we are rolling along um, 10 days until the end of the regular season. It's February 17th. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome into the show. If you've got questions for us, we put a little panel in the bottom corner. You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live simulcasting the show. We're also live simulcasting the show on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. Hope you'll take advantage fully of them as we are rolling along on this evening. Got lots to jam in. Let's talk about that. We got lots of business to talk about as well. I didn't even write all down my notes because, you know, I just can't seem to do that sometimes. Um, so here we go. First and foremost, we just got word of the top 16 according to the criteria in the eyes of the National Committee. We will talk to both committee chairs here momentarily. In fact, we will start up our Zoom here momentarily so that they can get in board and ready to go with us. Um, they will join us uh, and talk. We will talk to both Mike Shower and to Megan Wilson, who are looking a lot better than I am. Just for the record, I'm a little disappointed in that. We will have to talk to them about how that all happened because that's not fair. Um, but we will talk to them in a moment. Um, we have a little bit of business I want to take care of first and foremost. Again, Mike Shower, Megan Wilson, who are eavesdropping, will be joining us momentarily. All right, so a couple bit of business. Last show, if you were paying attention, and, and I hope you were, we hinted that there was some news conference-wise to come out. Yep, second news conference in a week, or roughly a week. Of course, we talked about the landmark last week, uh, broke that news with them adding football. And all that goes with it. Well, the USA South has finally, and I do say, say finally, split up. Um, I'm trying to remember all the particulars because I'm doing this off the top of my head because nothing goes according to plan. But uh, Barron and Maryville, LaGrange, Hunting, Huntington, Berea, um, Agnes Scott, Wesleyan, and I'm forgetting one, will be joining or two, I'm forgetting, uh, will be joining a new conference uh, that we believe will be called the Collegiate, uh, let's see, College, Collegiate, co it's like CCIW, but it's CCS, okay? And the S, not surprisingly, stands for South. Um, that's what we, we believe. We don't know that for sure. That conference has finally been made. I am under the impression that that has been in the works for years and finally got off the ground um, this year, they were, in, I was ready to, uh, to kind of break that news back in 2019, 2020. And apparently I got told things got put on hold. I don't know what the reason was. I got told it was off, but ultimately the pandemic is what caused it to go off is what I've been told. Uh, that, that doesn't change any automatic bids. It doesn't change any qualifiers like, like the landmark decision does in football. Um, for example, football, all those schools who are in the USA South will stay in the USA South as affiliate members. They will stay that way in men's lacrosse as well, and, and certainly probably some other sports as time goes on. There are a number of schools down South that need homes. Bob Jones still hasn't found a home. Warren Wilson, Asbury, now Lynn, who's in, who's making the transition to Division Three. We think Mil, uh, was, uh, Mississippi uh, University of Women, probably not long for the SLIAC after just joining. And there was one other off the top of my head. I can't remember who it is. Uh, Brevard said they were joining the USA South. In reality, they were joining this conference. Uh, they all may find homes in either the USA South or otherwise. Maybe the USA South is waiting to make an announcement to welcome a couple of those in. I don't know the particulars, 
But anyway, that's a big news uh, of the day. Obviously, the latest regional rankings are out. <laughs> that's why we talk top 16. Uh, we will talk to the uh, committee chairs about that in a moment. Men's came out on Tuesday. Women's came out on Wednesday. We'll look forward to the final public ones, well, technically, before the tournament next week. And then the final public ones will come out after the tournament brackets are out. And I think that's the business that we have at hand, right? Um, there was certainly a lot going on. It is that time of year. It is a blur right now. I swear it was the beginning of January just yesterday. Uh, and we're looking 10 days away from the conference, uh, from the brackets being released. Speaking of which, Will Haskett, or Will Haskett, I always say Will's last name wrong. Good to see him back on the broadcast for D3. Good to see him. Uh, I know a little nugget, uh, a D3 guy will be on the bracket show. And I'm not talking about myself though I have been penciled in for that too. I apologize to D3 Nation. Um, but we will be uh, having two D3 guys releasing the brackets coming up in 10 days' time. And now I've wasted enough time chit-chatting and getting some business taken care of. It's about darn time we maybe turn it over to the stars of the show, as it were. Uh, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned heads of the national committees looking way better than me. I did not get this memo, you two. Uh, it is uh, Mike Shower from Wheaton, and it is Megan Wilson from Luther. Yeah, I saw you guys pop up on the show, and I went, mm, yeah, didn't think that one through. <laughs> um, you always of, look great, Dave. No, thank you. In, in, in my nice my yep. T-shirt, yeah. It's a good I, color on you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I do like the blue. I do like the blue. Um, wait a minute. Luther's blue. Hold on a second. Um <laughs> Wheaton's blue. Yeah, no, I know. I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm being kind to, to people. Um, first off, slammed the show together. Uh, got to watch it. Saw the top 16. I've got them scribbled down on notes here. Uh, I think some people are going let's to... Get, let's get the cat out of the bag first. Some people are going to be surprised here. I, I saw one tweet response already to Hope sitting down in the 12 hole on the women's side. On the men's side, I'm sure some people are sitting there scratching their heads about a couple of them. We have to remind each other, people, and, and I'm, I'm not just trying to be the NCAA business here. This is based on criteria. This isn't based on top 25 stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no question. And, and Dave, it was hard. I think Megan will, will attest to the fact that the, the order was difficult. The, the conversations were close, and uh, the order was difficult. I, I can imagine. Uh, and the last one in, um, Will alluded to it on the men's side. Sounds like Swarthmore was a last-second decision in. Um, maybe Masai on the same on the women's. I'm not sure. But I, I've talked to a couple committee members by happenstance uh, in the last few days, either on phone calls or bumping into them in person, whatever the case may be. None of them talk about this process being easy, and we never expected it to be. But you're working ahead of time. And Megan, you said that on that NCAA show. You're doing more work now than maybe you have been in the past, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've said before when we've talked, we have a lot of new committee members. We had a lot of turnover. So I can't imagine that Sunday, Monday is already just a whirlwind, right? You want to talk about January, those 24 hours go by in the blink of an eye. So for us to go through this exercise, um, for many of them for the very first time and kind of get them acclimated to it, um, 
it's also a good discussion to, you know, compare teams from different regions. Yes, we go through our, our work each week, but we're just talking about regions separately and together. And so to kind of do that cross comparison from teams from other regions, it was, it, it was a great exercise. It was exciting. It was fun. It has me excited, but it was still really, really difficult. Mike, I assume it's same from your perspective. Is there anything different on the men's side that you guys were dealing with? Not really, Dave. I think the we've actually done this in the past. Uh, we've we've kind of done a top sixteen internally to kind of start the process of of having discussions between you know two really good resumes, which is what happens when you're picking you know, the, uh, the at-large bids, you're going to be dealing with predominantly really good resumes. And it starts to build a little rhythm as to what is the committee looking for? Sort of what is the, you know, what's the the tipping point? What are you going to value uh, as you're looking at two really good resumes? And so we've done this in the past. Our, our committee had a blast with it. It was one of the best calls I've ever been a part of uh, when we did this. Uh, there was a lot of give and take, a lot of discussion. It was really positive. And, and we're kind of hopeful that's going to build some momentum towards when we quote unquote, do it for real. Yeah. Well, for real, uh, you just did it for real. Just so you know, everyone's going to take this as real standings because they're going to be shocked when you guys make decisions down the road. And I'm being a little bit facetious on this. Uh, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about the criteria. I think it's something that some of us, when we're in it, involved in it as much as we are, uh, especially myself, we glaze over a lot of this. And, and and it's because we talk about it in nauseam. But for a lot of people out there, it's a little bit new. I'm going to split it up and I'm going to have fun with this. Mike, I want primary out of you. Megan, I want secondary out of you. That's how we're splitting this up. Uh, Mike, give me a sense of what the primary criteria is that you're looking at that you first and foremost are ranking teams based on. Yeah, so I'm going to just preface by saying this is all Division Three competition, so I won't repeat that every time. It's winning percentage, um, and then strength of schedule. Those are sort of they bookend, if you will. Uh, they appear to the far left and the far right of our criteria when we look at it. So winning percentage, strength of schedule, head-to-head, which is self-explanatory. If you uh, played the team you're being compared to, if there's a head-to-head result. Results versus common opponents. So that would be the record of, of uh, the team if you've played, whether it's a conference team, non-conference team, if you have common opponents. And then regionally, regionally ranked uh, results. Basically, uh, your record against teams that are ranked either in your region or one of the other nine regions. What is your record against those teams? Those are the primary criteria. Say, so get an idea. And obviously, you try and make decisions based on the primary. If we have to go to secondary criteria... Megan, where's the, the where's it get wonky there? So the secondary criteria would be uh, non-division three win-loss percentage results versus common non-division three opponents, and then non-conference strength of schedule. So first off, I'm going to get out of the way. the 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 results against non-division three or the the overall division three win-loss percentage. Out of curiosity, does that come up in conversation? Does does a conversation of going, hey, we got two more wins in this group because they played a couple more games outside Division Three? Does that become relevant? I think it absolutely does at times. So if you're going to the secondary, that that overall resume is important, even if it's non-Division Three opponents. If we have to go to secondary, yeah, okay, no, that's fine. I, I don't think I've ever asked to fully understand how much that number comes into play. That's why I asked that. Um, Head-to-head against uh, non-D3s or something, that one becomes a little more rare because we don't have that much crossover, right, Mike? 
Yeah, I can't recall ever using that criteria <laughs> in any situation where we've had a common non-Division three opponent. I don't remember ever uh, having that come into play. Okay. <laughs> Me neither, to the point that I had to look it up to make sure I had it right. <laughs> okay, first off, that might mean you used it once. But second of all, that's fascinating that it's never been used. I mean, we don't think it ever comes up. It's great to hear committee members going, ah, we don't use it. Um, and not that you don't. It's just you don't have any reason to. So the other one is the non-conference SOS, correct? And and listen, this is a little bit of a sticky point, I realize, for everybody. Ryan Scott, by the way, for anybody who's watching at home, did a fascinating story today about the non-conference SOS, the SOS, the metrics that are being used, the math that's being equated, whatever the term is. Um, and, and didn't really say right or wrong. It's more about, we, we want to understand this number better. And, and I think for a number of years, a lot of us have not understood the number. I'm not trying to understand if it's the right metric or the wrong metric. I'm still trying to wrap my head around of what is the metric. And so the only question I've got for you guys really is what is the metric? (laughs) Do, Do you have a sense of what that actual metric is? And when you're using that data, what it's actually telling you? Yeah, so the secondary part of that question, Dave, I, I don't, uh, you know, so what I understand it to be, let me put it this way, yeah. uh, is it is measuring a uh, a team's non-conference schedules, non-conference opponents. And so to put it in context, if Wheaton plays Platteville, we are actually measuring Platteville's uh, non-conference opponents, not the Wisconsin league. So when they play Whitewater, that game doesn't count in our non, it counts in our, in the SOS, it counts in Platteville's SOS, which then counts in our SOS, right. but our non-conference SOS is actually measuring Wisconsin Platteville's non-conference schedule. That's how I understood it. And Dave, if I'm honest with you, I don't know that, that that is how I understood it prior to the, I thought Ryan did an unbelievably great job with the article. I, I thought it was very fair and balanced. Um, he didn't suggest this isn't isn't how we're supposed to do it. He just said this probably is a little different than people understood it to be. Right. And the reason, as I understand it, it's done that way is to to try to reduce. And Ryan talks about it in the article to try to reduce the the idea that we're going to uh, duplicate too many uh, results in both of them. So in essence, if we're measuring all of Oshkosh's schedule or uh, Platteville schedule to use my, my example, including some of you're almost at times starting to do SOS and non-conference SOS will start to overlap perhaps more than the example that, that we gave about what it's actually measuring. So when you start to debate, what's the value of it, Dave, my honest answer to that, I don't know that I'm smart enough to know exactly what that is. Uh, But what I do know is I believe it's being applied um, consistently across not only basketball, but across the other sports and being, being applied in a way that, that we're being asked to use it. So Meg and I both tell you we are not creators of criteria. We're just right. appliers of criteria. So You don't create uh, the criteria? I'm just yeah, sorry. we're going to – you know, people sometimes get frustrated with us, and I always tell people we can have a conversation about what I do or do not like about the criteria. That's a perfectly reasonable conversation. But in my role as a committee chair, uh, I have to have the integrity and consistency to follow it as it's written sure. currently. So we use the non-conference SOS as it's intended. It may not be exactly how people understood it, but it won't change how we use it uh, going forward simply because maybe it's there's been a, 
a little bit of an enlightened perspective on what the actual non-conference SOS is covering. I like how you said that, an enlightened perspective on that. That's a good way of putting it. Megan, let me ask you this, and, and I will move on because I don't want to go down the rabbit's hole on this. It's it's something I don't think anybody fully understands and we'll get there. But do you, do you have any concern when you're comparing two teams? Let's say one of them has very few non-conference games. And so that number can vary widely, especially if they're playing against opponents who don't have a lot of non-conference game opportunities versus somebody else who has a wealth of non-conference games. And that number is going to vary a little bit less. In other words, a difference of one game might not shift the number dramatically if I understand how the math would work. Are you worried that then trying to compare that is is almost an apples to oranges because you don't have the whole story? You know, I, I think that's probably true, but I think that's similar in some of the primary categories. There are uh, conferences that have the ability to play many more ranked teams simply because of their geographic location. So um, I will say, I, I think once results versus ranked opponents came into play as a primary criteria, we had to use the secondary or non-conference SOS much less getting that additional primary category really kind of helps. You're able to dig into those wins and losses versus ranked opponents. And I think that is pretty telling and and we don't have to go to that as much. So do I think there's disparity in it? Quite possibly. Do I think there is in some of the primary criteria as well? I do. Sure. Some teams have a lower SOS simply because of the conference they're in. Yeah. They, They don't have control over that. Right. And so it's hard for them except for when they're scheduling those non-conference games to try to build that up a little bit. It feels like the non-conference SOS is about the only thing they can truly control to some degree. I'm I'm a little being simplistic there. Um, yeah. But I don't, again, I don't want to go down the rabbit's hole too far. I really appreciate Megan's, Megan's answer there, Dave, because I think both committees work really hard to make decisions on the primary criteria. Oh, sure. We really do try to say, if you can decide it in the terms we use on page one, that's where we do it. I, I, I appreciate the way Megan. We we don't do it quite as often as maybe people get concerned that we do. No, well, I, I appreciate that. Um, by the way, if you ever need to add another secondary criteria, one suggestion I have. I'm just spitballing a little bit here. Is the uh, Hoopsville Super Crew? We can put one together and give you our perspective on what team should go where. It's just a, a little a thought. Just a thought. Uh, we'll be very selective in our crew too. We'll, I, I assure you. Um, let's go back to the top 16 then. So knowing all that criteria and understanding that, can you give me an understanding here of, you, you say you've done this work before and Megan, we'll start with you. What is the purpose now of that top 16? Other than obviously it's a talking point. It's driving us in the final 10 days here before the brackets are revealed. We're getting to chat with you an extra time, which I appreciate it. But from the purpose of the committee, what's that top 16 represent for you? I think right now it represents the top 16 teams as we see them at this point in time. Um, you know, it, it was an opportunity to be able to take the top 10 teams from the region and put them on the board. And once a team from a region was selected, then we brought the next team onto the board, uh, much like we're going to do in 10 days. So um, I think it created some excitement. I think we're all really excited to finally be preparing for a championship that we think is going to happen. Um and it was just a good, I mean, I can't say it enough. It was just a good activity and exercise for the committee to go through. I think it was necessary. Um, you know, it is a lot of primary criteria. It is a lot of things to think about and comparisons across regions. And we're not, there's plenty of people out there tweeting at you that probably don't think we got it right, right? But doing this exercise once and maybe 
reflecting on what we did and making sure we stay consistent is only going to help us in 10 days. Mike, to that point, do we read anything into it? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a sense of, okay, these are the most likely teams if the tournament were to start now, barring extenuating circumstances that would be hosting. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that if we were to start the tournament today without viewing the results that took place since Sunday, right. that many of these teams would be hosting uh, without looking at it deeply. So to know how geography would play into this and the 600 miles, that type of stuff. But these are the teams that we were doing it today. You would start with to say, are these the teams that should be hosting? That's an absolutely fair conclusion to draw with the caveat of we're not going to use this to in any way, shape, or form to decide whether we're, these are the oh, teams thanks. that are hosting. But yeah, yeah. But if it were today, Dave, no question. This is this is who the teams you would start with to say these teams. Uh, you would start with this list to try to figure out if how many of these teams could host, given geography and the other the other limitations. No question. That, you, that's part of why we do this top sixteen. You literally dangled the fruit and then took it away right as we grabbed <laughs> for it. Um. Megan, to that point, well, Mike, I'll start with you. To that point, I mean, another the factor here, and those of us who know how the system works, it obviously probably won't be the top 16 who who host. You've got three Wisconsin teams in here. Um, you've got some interesting Northeast teams. I think some people would jump out and see Mass Dartmouth in there and take note of that. So obviously not all of this is going to be able to come together the way you want it to. Yeah, no, and you're obviously going to have teams that are in this top 16 today that won't be there in 11 right. days because of results one way or the other. So, and we paid, you know, when we did this one, uh, we paid no attention to any of those concerns. It was literally the best 16 resumes. And we didn't say, well, we can't, we can't put three Wisconsin teams this high up because they all can't host. That was not part of the process here. Um, so really it, in reality, Dave, that it's very, very unlikely that the actual best 16 resumes come selection Sunday yeah. end up being your host for a variety of reasons. Well, and we have the men. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was going to say for Megan, it's actually more complicated right. the opening rounds because there's a few teams that appear in both of our lists. And so, you know, this year, as people know, it rotates uh, this year, it'll be the men um, that have, have the first weekend um, in terms of hosting if both men and women are, are on pace to host. So it is a little more complicated for Megan's side. Um, there'll be a few teams that probably can't host on the women's side because the men may be involved. I was walking my way into that one because, and Ryan Scott just noticed it on Twitter as well, if you happen to be watching live, the number one team on the women's side is Christopher Newport. The number six team on the men's side is Christopher Newport. If we were to take it at, at face value right now, Megan, yeah, the, you've already lost the number one team that you have per se as being a host because conceivably – the men would be using that. And that's got to be a bit of a caveat here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's tough with those, you know, those stipulations every other year, but I think a lot of times that's what coaches and teams want to know, right? Who are the top 16 teams? And I think we all know well enough in division three, the top 16 teams aren't necessarily the teams that are hosting those first and second rounds because of everything that comes into play. So I think this was exciting for us to kind of do where we see them right now and just put that out there. And, you know, again, everybody's just super excited to, for the next 11 days and what's to come. Looking at it, just trying to read between the, the leaves a little bit, trying to understand what everything goes. I mean, people are going to jump out. Wow. Hope is sitting 12, uh, despite having been for most part, the number one team in the country in top 25 ballots, 
oh, interesting, you got Transylvania number two, rightly or wrongly. I'm not asking for actual detail, but was was there a certain direction, Megan, that your committee is leaning in terms of looking at that criteria that you, you do favor the win-loss percentage because the team's gotten this far and, and has a good record? Or is the SOS dominating some of those conversations? Again, I'm, I, I know you can't go into detail. I'm not trying to put you there. But is there a way you can give us an understanding of how these conversations have been shaking out? Yeah, I think it's just right in that region. There's three really, really great. I mean, the top three in that region are, are very solid resumes. And so sometimes it's splitting hairs. And, you know, we just got through regional rankings and we didn't feel like we felt like we got that right. So we continued with that in our top 16. So it's not one area that's outweighing another. Um, I think that, you know, the teams that are left have a very high win loss percentage. We didn't have a team in the top 16 uh, that was ranked with a below a 5.515 maybe SOS. And many of them have not only quality, but a lot of ranked wins at this point. So it wasn't a matter. Sometimes you get into those triangles too, where they have head to head in regions and team A has beat team B. Team B has beat team C. You can't get team C above team A. So sometimes we have to work through some of those things and just make judgment calls. So um, that region's tough. They're all very strong. Try and hope to fall. Really, really good resumes. Mike, on the flip side, and I know it's a little bit unfair to maybe make this comparison because there are more losses on the men's side than there are on women in general. Just to the parity we're talking about, though, the women's side certainly shown more parity this year. That said, the women have a handful of teams that might have three losses. The rest have less than that. The men, vast majority have three, four, or five losses, and I'm looking at SOS numbers that are sky high. Again, the men always seem to have this battle between rewarding a good win-loss percentage versus winning or, or rewarding a good strength of schedule. It feels like that tug-of-war is leaning towards SOS. Is it fair to say that, or, or am I missing something obvious? Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that, although I would I would add this to it. I, people always get asked, do, do we favor winning percentage or SOS? And my answer is it depends. And you, you know, those sort of put the, put the bookends of it. What we're looking for are those numbers in the middle. And so, um, you know, if you look at the, the men's top uh, 16, you're going to start to see sort of some numeric consistency with regionally ranked wins. And so we're looking for teams that have uh, strong winning percentages, high SOS, but, but who have you, who have you beaten in the midst of that? So typically, not always Dave, but typically teams with high SOS, SOS numbers have played more regionally ranked opponents, typically. That's not an absolute, but typically. And therefore have opportunities to win a few more of those games. So when we lean towards SOS, some of it is because those teams with high SOS, our top team would be an example, Oshkosh, has a high SOS, but they also have nine regionally ranked wins. That's kind of the combination we're looking for both and. And so uh we, we struggle with the two resumes where it's a high winning percentage, low SOS, and very limited regional ranked results. But we also struggle with a, a low winning percentage, high SOS, but maybe they're one in six or one in seven against their region ranked opponents. That's not necessarily a better resume either. What we're looking for is a little bit of the balance between a, a strong winning percentage, strong SOS that manifests itself into that next category of we've beaten some really good people who are regionally ranked throughout the country. That's kind of, that's the balance maybe on the men's side that we've, we're looking for and kind of the rhythm we're trying to find through the process. 
to back that up to the conversation we have about the SOS and the non-conference SOS, you, it feels like sometimes when we're looking at criteria that it overlaps a ton and we're not differentiating necessarily. You talk about uh, a strong SOS, but also a lot of results versus regionally ranked as a result of that. Um, well, we were just talking about SOS and trying to make sure the non-conference SOS didn't overlap too much. Does maybe the and I'm realizing I'm throwing a hypothetical here, but does maybe the the criteria overlap too much, and there's got to be a way to differentiate it a little bit more? I, I yeah, that's the best way I can ask it. I think there's definitely minute. circumstances where it overlaps, and sometimes more than others. You could have a head-to-head uh, over a team in your conference that is ranked, and so now you're getting credit for that in a head-to-head win. You're getting credit for a win-loss. You're getting credit for it in a ranked win and strength of schedule all. So that's a lot of overlap for one game, right? And like right. you try not to put um, too much significance on a, a single game. It's their total resume, but absolutely, I think there's overlap in some instances more than others. Uh, to that to that point win-loss percentage, at some point you're grinding along through a 25-game schedule, you've dropped just one game. No matter what your strength of schedule was, you got through 25 games with barely a blemish. Does sometimes do people debate whether that SOS is taking too much impact over an overall great season by, by a team? I worry. I'm looking at a Webster women's basketball team who could very easily go undefeated, and we're talking about Lancaster Bible all over again on the men's side from a few years ago where they take one loss in the conference tournament that could be out despite getting through a conference that knows them well and, and despite having an undefeated season all but that one game. Yeah, I'll, di- I'll dive in here. I think those resumes, I, I'm going to answer kind of the same way, which is you go kind of from the two bookend things into the middle. So if if teams are, you know, 22-1, 23, 22-2, but they don't have results since regional ranked opponents and the low S so assuming that that they also have the low SOS we're kind of looking for evidence that um ha- have you beaten anybody of substance and merit uh nationally or within your region and if that doesn't exist Dave particularly now that we are ranking so many teams that go into this process with one or none regionally ranked wins uh their resumes are going to eventually start to to struggle to keep up because so many teams have regionally ranked wins now because we're ranking so many more teams so i always answer the the situation where you have a team that's you know 22 and 1 21 and 2 whatever the case may be with a relatively low sos by saying um are there any numbers in the middle and if there if there aren't then yeah those resumes are going to have a hard time keeping up with teams who are 18 and six with a 580 SOS and six regionally ranked wins. Those resumes are going to start to say, well, those, those teams have wins against some really good, good opponents. Just because I circle back, you kind of make an interesting point, but we talk about a low SOS and then trying to work into the middle. But by default, we just also said a high SOS tends to result in a lot of regional ranked. So common criteria is kind of meshing together. A low SOS results in not a lot of regional ranked opponents. Again, the criteria is kind of meshing together. The, the two seem to handshake each other along the way. That's where I'm wondering if sometimes it just there has to be a conversation to be of, listen, this all this criteria tends to be in this panel or in this road, and all this criteria tends to be in this road. We can't seem to break it up. Does that, does that make sense? I don't know if I asked. I said that right. Yes. Yeah, so are, you, are you asking Megan and I if we would change the criteria somehow? 
No, I'm wondering if the conversation maybe is we got to understand. Yes, we're, we're working from bookends. I totally get that makes sense. But that bookend is always the same. If it's a high OSOS, we're always seeing results versus regionally ranked. If it's a low SOS, we're always seeing low numbers in, in regionally ranked. Somehow that bookend is is a good one, but it doesn't always steer us in this. It always stays us in the same direction and it always comes up with the same conversation. And maybe that's not the conversation we should be having, I guess is the best way I can say it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's true, right? Like when you have a low SOS and some of those things are out of your control, I think we do we had conversations about teams like that today that, you know, it was really hard not to have them in the top 16. They they've done they really haven't done anything to hurt themselves, right? Like so right. it's hard for us to say they haven't even had a mistake yet. Like, yes, that may be their SOS, but they also have won every game they played or, you know, so I think those are tough conversations, but it's hard. Like Mike said, when you're looking at all the primary criteria, yeah. how they stack up with the criteria as is. And, and I'm not asking if you would change your criteria because I already know what the answer is going to be. What's that? No comment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not putting you guys on the spot before we get done with the process. Cause I, I, it's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to solve anything. I appreciate it. I've taken a lot of your time. I know you've had a long day, long set, a couple of weeks, a couple of days, et cetera. You got more time ahead of you. I appreciate the insight. We'll obviously talk more about this as the road goes further. Maybe I'll have a better way of asking what I did at the end. It just kind of hit me there with the way you were describing it. And I was trying to figure out the best way to ask it. Um, so it was a little bit on the fly, but I, I do appreciate the time. The top 16 is kind of cool. I, I'm just saying maybe next week. Why, why not? Let's just do it one more time. Make everybody talk going into the weekend. Um, Megan, any final thoughts for those who may be tuned in? Just thanks for having us. Blue looks great on you. Keep that going for the next 10 days and super excited about what's to come championships. It's exciting. My wife will tell you, I've got a lot of blue being red, green, colorblind. I lean on blue hard. Um, Mike, any final thoughts for those tuned in? Yeah, I'd actually like to, to thank Megan. I mean, this is this is an example of of an increased effort of men's and women's committees trying to work together to sort of achieve some momentum collectively uh, towards building some buzz around our sport and uh, around Division Three basketball. And just appreciated her committee's work. This was a lot of work, extra work to get this out by both committees. And so, just thank Megan that. And we kind of jointly did this together and we're, we're doing something that I think most people went, that's, that's kind of cool and certainly appreciate you having us on Dave. Well, thank you for letting us be a part of it. Um, fun to see Will Haskett again. Uh, glad to see it. I mean, it's something to talk about at least uh, it's something for us to, to, to kind of chew on as it were uh, to, as part of our meal ahead of the conference tournaments. Hey, thanks all Mike. Good luck to you in the conference tournament in the, as the regular season finishes up, Megan, you, this is, you can just sit back and relax a little bit. Uh, you don't have to sweat it too much, right? Yeah. Just sit back and watch Mike's games. There you go. <laughs> well done. Hey y'all take care. Thanks very much. And you can take the PJ pants off now. I know what you're really wearing. <laughs> take care. Yeah. Bye guys. Megan Wilson, Mike Shower joining us here on Hoopsville. Really appreciate their time. Not sure if I got everybody's questions answered. I, I, I think it's it's a pipe dream to get there. I don't know if anybody understood what I was trying to get at at the end. I, I don't know. It's the, the idea that a high SOS automatically results in re, with a lot of results versus regionally ranked. I get that. Low SOS results in non, not a lot of that. I get that too. But I worry that if that's... The momentum as you as you work on the bookend and work in, you're always going to have the same conversation. We're always going to leave out teams that I think 
still have good seasons. Again, I talked about this back with Lancaster Bible. It feels like it needs to be more of a bell curve, that at some point that SOS just has to be ignored if a team has had an absolutely like a one-loss season in the NC and isn't at large. You know, basically they lost in the conference tournament, which means they played a team a third time most likely. Or on the flip side of that, at some point an SOS just can't carry, or, or the win-loss at some point can't carry any water, just like the SOS shouldn't be carrying water. And at some point they both should, but it's got to be in the middle somewhere, not on, on the polar opposites. Uh, we've seen teams get in on really strong SOSs because they have a lot of results versus reaching ranked. But they don't have a great win-loss. They have a, a less than 667 win-loss percentage, a less than 70, wherever you want to write your benchmark. And I think that's where that, that conversation is, is fascinating. Going to take a break. We'll get into our interviews with other guests. Farmingdale, uh, uh, Farmingdale? Who am I talking to next? Farmingdale State. Yeah, that's who I'm talking to. They beat Yeshiva a couple weeks ago. Yeshiva's playing St. Joe's. We'll keep an eye on that game as we roll along. But we'll talk to Farmingdale State coming up in Skyline Action. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying it. Back with more after this. NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely... We're good. Yeah, I, it's just that little click. I wanted to get the commercial off, but I didn't click it off. Anyway, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. We're simulcasting on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Thank you, Phil. It's College Conference of the South. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, we broke that news uh, this week. 
Uh, by the way, at this point, I guess we break another conference news next week. I don't have any on my radar, but I'll let you know. Maybe somebody else does. Um, we've got questions for us. You can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Keeping track of scores from around Division Three, Yeshiva and St. Joe's. The number four versus, or number five, St. Joe's versus number 24, Yeshiva is underway at Yeshiva. And it's an early, it's early. It's a minute in, five nothing, Yeshiva. We'll keep an eye on that. Mary Harden Baylor uh, and Maryville are all playing tonight as well on the men's side. On the women's side, Mary Harden Baylor, East Texas Baptist, and Harden Simmons are playing. Speaking of Yeshiva, as I just mentioned, they do have uh, a couple losses in conference, which has stunned a lot of people. The first one, which always gets more attention, is one against Farmingdale State. As a result of that, Farmingdale State is having a bang-bang season. They're 13-2 and now in conference play, 17-7 and overall, but because of their win against Yeshiva, should they beat or win this their last game up on the docket, which is SUNY Old Westbury coming up, they're going to be the top seed in the Skyline Conference. Talk about twists, right? Joining us to talk about it, all that fun on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Brendan Toomey. I said it right, right, Coach? Good. I yeah, panicked there for a minute. Brendan Toomey from Farmingdale State talks about his squad. Hey, Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on a great season because what's overshadowing here on the 17 and seven mark is the fact you're already better than the 2018 2019 or 2019 2020 season that you had um and really for the most part you're having a better season than you guys normally do on average and oh by the way you have a win over yeshiva on top of that so you're you're just playing with house money at this point you're having an awesome season yeah we're having a good year um i didn't really know what to expect coming into this year you know we had no season last year uh the previous season 1920 we graduated six seniors uh, who had a great run, you know, they had two championships, uh, but I lost a lot. So we brought in nine freshmen and a couple transfers. Um, so I really know what to expect this year. The first semester took a little time for them to get used to playing with each other, but also took me some time to get used to coaching them, trying to figure out what matchups and, you know, who plays well with who. Uh, but it seems like, you know, they, they kept working hard and, you know, come, come January, they, they started to gel a little bit and uh, we're playing well right now. Certainly playing well. That's the other thing that jumped out at me about your season, too, is that the start of it was rough. Uh, lost three of your first four. You lost, uh, sorry, I'm doing quick math because I forgot to do it, five of your first seven, uh, six of your first ten. Listen, at any point, and I've been through some rough seasons myself in, in soccer, at any point midway through the season, you're sitting with that and you're like, ah, we're good, coach. Thanks very much. We're just going to ride this one out. Turned it around with a win over Ramapo on the 18th of December. Got a little bit of a break. Got into conference play. You've lost once since. Is it because you got into conference play and your team's maybe more geared towards the conference? Or is it just that that break gave you guys all a chance to reset, kind of come together as a group, and finally get things rolling in the right direction? Uh, I think maybe a little bit because conference play was coming up. But I think our guys were just working really hard. And I kept telling them, like, you know, don't worry about the results. It's going to take some time for us to gel a little bit. You know, the wins will come. Just keep working hard. And they've done that. You know, they've really worked their butt off, you know, every day. Um, you know, come January and February, conference play, every game's important. They've done a good job of just focusing on the next game. Um, and so far, you know, that's all we're worried about. And like you said, if we win Saturday, you know, we'll be the number one seed. Well, that's the thing is you got that big win over Yeshiva. So not only do you have that momentum coming – but you had that game against Yeshiva on the 5th. And and let's remember, going back, you played them back on December 1st. It was a 14-point loss, 80-66, to 66, at your place. So not only do you have to maybe get that one back, but you got to do it at their place 
which is not the easiest place to play, let's be honest. What was the difference between those two games, those two situations outside of what it looked like to us, like Yeshiva just wasn't on on the right page themselves? Well, that first game in our place, we had a couple guys sick, um, and it wasn't COVID, surprisingly. Um, but we didn't have our full squad. We played them tough, but Yeshiva's a tough team. You know, they're top 25, you know, for a reason. Um, and then we just had a, a bunch of games. You know, we had a couple months to kind of, you know, gel a little bit, you know, get a little bit more experience with some of my younger guys. Um, and we played really well. I mean, she was a great team, tough place to play, obviously. Uh, we just played a really good game. You know, our, you know, my guys were ready to play. They stepped up in that game. And, um, you know, but I, you know, I think, you know, Yeshiva's, you know, obviously the best team in our league. You know, they won it, you know, two years ago when we had a full season. So, you know, someone's going to have to knock them off in the playoffs for sure. Well, you guys certainly got them in the regular season, um, and you continue to roll from there. You didn't have any trap from that. You beat St. Joseph's Long Island, Mount St. Vincent, and St. Joseph's Brooklyn since then. And now, again, in the driver's seat, you get a chance to be the number one seed should you get the win over SUNY Old Westbury. And obviously that's important because you don't have to drive into New York if you can avoid it. You can you can force everybody to have to deal with traffic and come out to the middle of Long Island. Yeah, no, you know, the number one seed in our conference is big because then you don't have to travel, obviously. Um, we usually get pretty good crowds for the playoffs. Uh, this will be the, I think, the fourth time in five years that we've been the number one seed and won the regular season. So we just got to take care of business on Saturday. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this squad. Uh, pretty good team in terms of statistics when you jump out at you. Looking at uh, you know how you guys distribute the ball and all that fun stuff. You got four guys in double figures, uh, three more with seven more or more points. You're outscoring your opponents uh, by a few, but you've got a large group there that certainly gets you through it. You shoot also fifty eight percent. I think if the only thing that jumps out at me that might be a little odd, I'm sorry, I read the long wrong line there. You shoot forty four percent. Other teams tend to shoot pretty well too. So is this a team that needs to offensively kind of get itself? a win or can defensively, can you lean on yourselves a bit as well? Well, that's what we've been working on. We've been working on our defense. <laughs> we know come playoff time, you're going to have to get some stops, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do. We have a lot of weapons offensively. You know, we have probably five or six guys that can go off for 15, 20, you know, each night, depending on the night. So, you know, offensively, you know, we've done a good job of sharing the ball, um, you know, depending on the night who's hot. And stuff like that. But, you know, I think definitely coming down the stretch this next week, you know, we got to really work on the defensive end, try to get some stops. Um, you know, that's that's how you win games, getting stops, you know, late in the shot clock and, and at the end of the game. Sitting on a nine-game winning streak here. Uh, obviously, you got the big win over Yeshiva. Um, what was it? That was the Maccabees' first conference loss. I forgot to mention this. Since uh, 2019, uh, when you guys beat them in the Skyline Championship game, um, Dominique, is it Senate? Sene. Sene. See, I, I overthought it. Uh, senior leading your team with 13.2 points a game, 7.8 rebounds per contest as well. Uh, Corey Powell, the sophomore, 11 and a half points a game. Nick Hurowitz at 11.4 points per game, 6.2 rebounds. Uh, he had a double, double 12 and 13, uh, or double, double in 12 of the 13 games during this streak. That's outstanding. Uh, and Aaron Davis doubled uh, at 10.6 points as well. Again, it's that four that are in double figures. Gives you a lot of options, I would think, on the offensive end. If you can't get A to work, you got B, you even have C, and you might even have D. Yeah, they're, like I said, we have a bunch of guys that could score the ball depending on the night, and we've done a good job of sharing the ball. 
Um, just to, to speak a little bit on Nick, um, yeah. at 12 out of the last 13, you know, he's had double doubles. And I think overall his rebounding and his, you know, work on the defensive end has really helped us, you know, this last month and a half. Um, and then Corey Powell, you know, our sophomore guard, he, he guards the best player, you know, on the team. He's a great defender. Um, you know, he, he does a great job on the defensive end, you know, individually guarding his man and also as a team defender. So, you know, it, it depends on the night for us offensively. You know, I'm hoping down the stretch here, you know, we could come together as a team defensively and really do a good job. Yeah, I was going to say, so at this point in the season, how do you get the defense to, I, I'm not going to say suddenly become the star because that's not the right way of saying it, but how do you get the defense to take that next step to become a significant factor? Is it that you just worry about it on a game-to-game basis? We just need this game. We just need this game, guys. Or do you worry about it on a more cultural, on a more uh, longer-term structure, if that makes any sense? Well, with the amount of new guys that we had this year, I knew it was going to take time because uh, normally, you know, year in, year out, we're a pretty good defensive team. And I think in the last month, we've done a good job, you know, individually guarding our man and also, you know, a team aspect of it, you know, working together as a team to get stops. Um, so I just think the more that we play together, you know, the more experience that we had together on the floor. Um, so I, I think, I think it just took a little bit of time for us defensively. And, uh, you know, in the last two, three weeks, we've done a good job. You're, uh, we should point out, you're a graduate of this conference at Mount St. Mary. You, you know this conference well. You kind of did pretty well in it yourself. Uh, preseason All-American by some publications, in fact. You, you then got into the coaching side of things, and you got a lot, a wealth of experience outside of the division, outside of this, this conference, and then you came back. I suspect some of it meant coming home, but more importantly, what were you able to bring from your experiences outside the area that you think has made an impact so far with the program in the conference? You know, I think, you know, my time at Stevens, you know, with coach Hurley really helped me out. He, he did a good job teaching me the ropes. You know, I was a first time assistant coach when he was uh, his first year as a head coach. And know, so we were learning together. Um, <laughs> he did a great job preparing me uh, for when I was a head coach. And I think just coming back to the conference, you know, there was a couple coaches uh, that were still coaching when I was a player. Um, I think Bernard Tomlin of Westbury is the only one still here. Oh, wow. Um, from when, from when, you know, I was a player. <laughs> He's um, calling just, right now, thanking you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny that I had to compete against him as a player and now, you know, as a coach, but you know, me and Bernard have a really good relationship. He does a great job at Old Westbury. Um, but yeah, I think just being familiar with the conference definitely helped a little bit. Um, and the support that I get at, at Farmerdale with my athletic directors, um, they're great. No, it's been it's been a great ride. So this is my ninth season. Yeah. Uh, last year we didn't have a season, so this is my eighth coaching. But I've been there for nine years now. Everybody's been doing it different. I ran into a team last night that was it was the actual season versus the team I'm calling. It was the uh, the actual well the actual season versus how many years they've been there. It's 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 wonky. We don't even know on the roster when we look at it what we're believing per the conference. And you talk about one coach probably still there since your coaching day or your playing days. How much? has the conference changed and obviously yeshiva has changed because yeshiva wasn't really all that much of a competitive team probably when you were playing oh well competitive isn't the right word but they certainly weren't uh, one of the top teams in the, in the nation yet alone the region but how much has changed overall from top to bottom outside of just the max 
it's uh, a tough question. Are you talk about from when I was a player or just yeah. as I've been to coaching? Well, even if, even if it's from just the coaching perspective, but how much, uh, obviously as a coach, you know more about the recruiting and you know about the strategy and, and the competitiveness maybe more than you did as a player, but has the conference changed? Maybe the conference hasn't changed. I'm just curious if what that dynamic's been like. Yeah. When I was a player, uh, Merchant Marine Academy and Manhattanville were in our conference and then they left. All right. And now they're back. They're in. Back. So when I first started coaching, they weren't there and now they're back. Um, but yeah, after that, pretty much all the teams are the same. Sarah Lawrence joined. I'm trying to think we have 12 teams. So I'm trying to think. Is the competitiveness all. the same? Is it, is the recruiting battles similar? Are they different with, with your conference mates? No, I think, I think our conference is very competitive. Um, you know, I, I go up against uh, some of the other state schools yeah. uh, for recruits. Um, you know, the, some of the private schools in our conference. I definitely don't go up against Yeshiva in recruiting. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that's a different. That's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, overall, I think our conference is very competitive. Not to beat the Yeshiva uh, train too much, but I am kind of curious. What do you think went well in that game? What did you guys take into that game that you thought you could take advantage of? And did you execute like you thought you would? We did. We executed very well. We shot the ball very well. We shot over 50% that game. So that's always going to help. Um, you know, we've had success against Yeshiva over the last couple of years. So, you know, going into the game, my guys were pretty confident. You know, we knew, we know how good they are. You know, they could score the ball. Ellie does a good job uh, coaching those guys up. Um, they got tremendous scores on their team. So, you know, we definitely have to um, execute our game plan. But I think overall, you know, my guys played well on the road. It was a great crowd. It was a great environment. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, we take care of business. You know, these next couple of games, maybe we'll see them again. The Skyline, not considered one of the more competitive conferences in terms of national exposure. And, and obviously, I realize it's competitive from a, on a X's and O's team to team status. But I mean, overall, nationally, doesn't tend to get a big bang for their buck. Every once in a while, something shines through and you guys get the attention a little bit. Is it because everybody has, and you talk about difference in private and public, so this may not be relevant, but is it everybody has a similar player? Is it something else that goes on there? Or do you guys have, and I mean this genuinely, do you have a different uh, perspective slash goal in mind that the national stuff's nice, but it's not the priority? Yeah, I mean, you always want to get recognized nationally, obviously. Um, But for us, you know, I, I think, you know, the way I approach it is, you know, we're going to have to win our conference. You know, I think I play a pretty good uh, non-conference schedule, uh, but you're pretty much going to have to win the skyline, you know, to get in. Yeah. Um, so that's why we focus so much, you know, me personally, you know, we focus a lot on, on just our conference. You know, our non-conference games definitely prepare us uh, for the conference schedule come January and February, but we just try to focus on our conference. You're one of those teams that gets NYU on your non-conference schedule. There's a lot of schools I know who'd like to play NYU who can't seem to do that. What's what's the secret in the sauce, Coach? Um, in terms of scheduling, yeah. How do you get NYU on your schedule? I, I want to help others who want to get them. <laughs> I've known I've known Dagan for a while. Um, yeah, you know, so that kind of helps a little bit. We were looking for a home and home to start. Oh, nice. Um, so it was just it was just kind of the right place, right time. He was looking for a game. I was looking for a game. Um, so we're going to return the game uh, to their – I think we're going to open up their new facility next year. Oh, that'll be cool. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you have to go down six stories, please let us know. We we want a video of you going down six stories. Um, right. Looking at your schedule, you don't have a lot outside your immediate region. Wesleyan's about as far far team as I can find, and even then 
it's i mean if you get a good boat you can just go right across the the bay um that said is that because you just don't have the ability well first off getting off long island i know is the least easy thing to do <laughs> speaking of taking a boat that might be the better choice but is it because the travel's a little bit tough or is there just general general restrictions not written but you know with classes and all that that it's just you don't have that option no, I mean, I, I think we have a lot of good teams, you know, in our area that it's I don't true. have to travel that far. You know, oh, that's a fair point, yeah. Play, you know, good NJAC teams. You know, Jersey's obviously close. Yes. You know, Connecticut, upstate New York. So we don't really have to travel that far, you know, to get good get good games. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should look into, you know, some some trips. Maybe my guys. No, I, yeah, trips. I was just curious. No, I'm totally curious. I, I, I agree with you. You definitely have uh, a – a cacophony of of good teams that you could pick from but you know some teams want to go to vegas or some teams might want to go to california maybe down to florida for a trip that's and then some have flat out said to me no we just we we with our academic rigors or our travel restrictions or our budget that's just not an option so i was just kind of variant we just haven't had that conversation with a lot of skyline teams and i was kind of curious yeah no i mean i just like i said there's so many good teams within two or three hour yeah. radius um so that's that's pretty much what we stick to What's the message with the team? You got one game left, obviously a big game because you win this game, you get to control things through your home court. And I know that's important. So what's the message to the team in the locker room in the practice before a game that to make sure they understand that without being overwhelmed? Yeah, we've done a good job of kind of taking a game by game. So it's just take that same approach for Saturday. You know, we had a pretty good practice today. Hopefully we have another good practice tomorrow and just be focused, just be focused for Saturday because after Saturday, you have one bad night and you're going home. As a former player, is senior day a little bit more emotional? Or is it just uh, another day with a distraction? No, I don't think it has a as a distraction because we, you know, we really get to know our, our, our players and their families. So it's good to have the families there, um, you know, see them. And, you know, hopefully we play well for, for the seniors that night. We only have one senior. Um, we actually had our senior night Mental on last note. Saturday. What do you say? Mental note to the conference: just one senior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually had our senior night this past Saturday. Oh, so, okay. So we're actually just gonna, you know, play Old Westbury. There's no no senior day festivities. Gotcha. For, yeah, Saturday. people are moving senior days around a little more often these days. So it's uh, totally. Uh, I like it. I kind of dig it. Hey, coach, appreciate it. I just felt like spitballing a few things there with you, and I appreciate you taking the time to kind of humor me. Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Great job on the team. Uh, Congratulations on everything, including the win over Yeshiva, but also on top of the conference. That stood out to me, certainly. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, No. First, I would like to just, you know, thank you and all all you guys do at D3 Hoops for for promoting, you know, our game. You guys do a great job. I mean, I'm on D3 Hoops, you know, 10, 15 times a day, checking stuff out. Um, And also just want to wish all the coaches, you know, good luck down the stretch here. You know, good luck in the playoffs. Well said, Coach. Well, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll look forward to talking to the Rams a little bit later. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Brendan Toomey joining us here on the Hoopsville Blue Frame Technology Hotline. Again, SUNY Old Westbury coming up, and then it's the quarterfinals, semifinals, and, and finals of the Skyline. They changed it a little bit this year. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be a good tournament, I suspect. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk um, – Let's see, where are we headed next? I just totally forgot. Oh, yeah, Hope Men's Basketball. Uh, Greg Mitchell talking about the big win in the rivalry. You're listening to Hoopso, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. 
It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbine. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoop Souls. We go rolling along on this show. Um, we still have up ahead of us um, Penn State Baron women's basketball coach Christine uh, Van Hook will join us. Scranton women's basketball coach uh, Nico DePillo will join us. Also, Whitman women's basketball coach Michelle Ferenc will join us. But up next, we talk about the rivalry. Now, there's a lot of you out there who want to talk about your rivalry, and I will give you your rivalry. But the rivalry, according to those who are in Western Michigan, Features Hope and Calvin. And if you might remember on Monday's show, the question was raised to our top 25 panel, who was going to win on Wednesday at Hope, Calvin or Hope? The voting was split, 3-2 in favor of Calvin, and everybody worried about the Hoopsville jinx. Apparently, that was the Hoopsville jinx to Calvin's fans because Hope did win at home. I picked them. Kind of barely picked Hope to win that. I kind of shot in the dark. Myself and Coach Raniac did that. Well, it would be remiss not to talk about the rivalry. The only reason we haven't up until this point was Hope and Calvin didn't seem to be having the seasons we're prototypically used to from those squads. But if you looked recently, both teams are actually having really good seasons. And the team that finished was picked to finish fourth in the conference has w won the conference. It's in that good a season. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the coach who's the team who won that conference regular season is Greg Mitchell from Hope. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations. Obviously, it's a rivalry game. We'll get into that in a bit. But you're having a better season than I think a lot of people expected. Is it just us, or are you having a better season than you expected? Yeah, it's a great question. And first of all, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, been, uh, it's been a phenomenal season. And I think, um, you know, we lost a lot. Uh, you know, we were graduated six seniors last year, including a, an all region player. And, um, but I don't know, there's something different about these guys. And, and sometimes, 
definitely was not an addition by subtraction by any stretch of the imagination, but we had some guys who were ready to fill some roles and, and really um, immerse themselves in our culture and in each other. And I really think that's, that's how we've risen to this level, you know, a, a tough um, early and non-conference schedule kind of galvanized us. And we had a chance to look at who we were and find out areas of, of struggle. And then these guys just kind of bought in and um, yeah, so I'd say a little bit surprised, uh, is a fair statement, but at the same time, complete belief in these guys, because I, I saw the investment, um, you know, in each other, which has been the biggest thing. And I think that's, that's, you know, why we've been able to have the season that we've had. Started the season, lost to Illinois Wesleyan by 13, then got a win against St. John's. I know that raised some eyebrows mm-hmm. and beat Benedictine. You beat Cornerstone, lost to Aquinas to those who know the Cornerstone game that raised some eyebrows, lost to St. Thomas of Texas in St. Louis, uh, then got a, an overtime win against Hendricks in, and then lost to Platteville. So kind of a herky-jerky kind of start to yep. the season. You were, what, three and three? <clears throat> to be honest, I kind of sat there and went, okay, that's kind of what I expected from a hope this year. At that point, at three and three, were you guys okay? Were, did you guys feel that that was a good start with some solid wins? You know, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, when well, I would we hope went so. to uh, – yeah, when we went to uh, um, St. Louis, and we first of all we left our point guard home. He had influenza, and so we didn't play with Clayton. Oh, okay. And then, and then our best player, Evan Thomas, um, got hurt in that first game, and we got waxed. Um, and so, in the second game, we're starting a, a freshman at the point. Um, it was smoke and mirrors, and you know we found a way to win, which to me was the first sign of okay. You know, it's not like we're a complete next man up mentality, but there's belief and there's a little grit and toughness about these guys. And so it was really, again, finding some depth in our bench, some guys that, um, that uh, we could, you know, we could rely on obviously getting our, our, our key guys healthy. Um, but you know, it, guys that are, and you get it coaches that have done this long enough, there's a pulse and a vibe about your team. And um, there's just something about these guys and their, their collective chemistry is, it's remarkable and it shows up we've had, you know, honestly, like maybe one, I'd call it like a sideways practice where we just didn't have the energy. And, and I don't think it mattered what we did. We just probably should have gone home after 20 minutes. You had one of those. <laughs> Other than that, it's been, every day has been a battle. Um, our, our, you know, we just get after each other and, and there's a, a great rapport about them. So not to wax poetic, but you learn a lot about them early. And if they buy into who they are and who they can be, and egos are checked at the door, and there's like an, a role responsibility, you got a chance. And our training staff did a heck of a job getting Evan back to to health. And we had to battle some COVID issues, and we play our first couple of conference games down three starters, and we we win those two games. And it was just, hmm, you know, maybe there's something. Uh, to this group, and we've continued to get better as the, as the season has gone on, which is really what it's all about. You lost to Plantville to get that three and three mark. Uh, you got the win against Stevens Point a week later, then a win against North Central in overtime, a win against Central down in Florida. Lost, uh, by the way, that North Central game was in Florida too, if memory serves. Correct. Yes. Uh, and then uh, from there, you got into conference play, as you said, and obviously a little bit of a herky jerky because of conference action. But you've only lost twice. Uh, at home against Albion and on the road against Trine. Anything about those particular games that just didn't go your way? Yeah, so the, the Albion game was was a uh, 
third game in five days. We had a makeup game in there. We, we opened with trying, you know, the, the league favorite and, um, beat them, I think on that Monday. And then, um, uh, I think we got Calvin on Wednesday and then, and then we get Albion who was just, you know, a, a really tough team in our conference as well. So no excuses, but it was just tough. Um, I think our legs were a little <clears throat> lacking, but credit to Albion. They, they got after us. Um, <clears throat> and I think the, the trying loss, uh, you know, they were in a situation where they felt they could control their own destiny. And, uh, you know, we went to their place after getting them at our place and they were, they were the better team. It was a great first half and we just, you know, didn't handle them inside for a, a period in the second half and, and got us. So, um, you know, those were, those are two games that, that, uh, didn't go our way, but at the same time, um, you know, we were still in a good spot to control our destiny. And I think this, you know, our game last night, uh, we earned, we earned the right to be in a game late in the season that mattered. And, um, you know, our guys rose to the challenge and, uh, and learned from the two losses and, uh, you know, played a big game in a, in a big environment at the right time. And, um, uh, you know, it, it felt really good. You played him, Calvin back on January 12th, got the win at their place, 78-65, and you come back and get the win at home, 93-81, to win both rivalry games. Again, for a team that was picked to finish fourth, you mentioned Trine, who was picked to, to win the conference after coming off the, the headline season last year. Uh, they're not, they're what, 16-8 and eight this year. They're not having as great a season as everybody expected. But the Calvin game in general always brings its own hype. It always brings its own atmosphere and it always brings its own expectations rightly or wrongly you're you guys could be over and your mm-hmm. your faithful are going to expect you to blow the doors off of calvin who might be undefeated that's mm-hmm. just how it comes how do you balance the expectations and the hype and all of that that come with those games to keep level-headed especially late in the season where you said that game means something. It's not just the rivalry. There's there's other things that that impacts. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that you that it gets hyped up even more because <laughs> I'll, I'll be real. I mean, the, the the pressure is there. You you live it. You feel it. Everybody talks about it. The, the, the crowd is intense. The guys can't wait for it. Um, you know, other games kind of pale in comparison. Even though, hey, every forty minutes is the same in, in the world of, of records and wins and losses. But you know, it's coming. Um, it's hard to balance it. I'll be completely honest with you because nothing is like it. And, you know, having played in it and, and being able to coach in it, you know, number one, it's just a tremendous privilege that you have something like that that means so much to so many. You know, and then as far as the balance piece, I, I, we told our guys last night, we kind of compare it to a like an Ali Frazier fight in the first couple rounds. It, it's, I don't know if you can feel your legs. You're just going to kind of jab each other. And there's not many haymakers early. Nobody's going to hit the canvas. Um, you got to kind of survive it and then play basketball. And, um, you know, there, there are going to be many runs and you don't win or lose it in the first couple minutes, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta get through that and then play. And then it comes down to, you know, defending, rebounding and, and executing. And uh, I thought it did last night. And there were a couple of really important emotional runs that I thought our guys were really prepared for and responded the right way, which is also critical. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if we have the master recipe to to balance it and truly um, figure it out because uh, it always takes on its own entity each each time around. Because you're right, if we were over and we win that game, all of a sudden I'm a successful coach in Holland. But you know, if we're undefeated and we lose it, I you know maybe maybe I got to check and see if there's a you know 
uh, a Ziggy next to my name. I don't have a job the next week because it means that much to people. Um, so it's, it's unique. It's awesome. There's nothing like it. And, you know, it's great because Calvin's great and, and we have great respect for each other. Uh, we're typically, you know, two good programs fighting for yeah. the, the top of the league. So, well, and the other thing about this game that was insane was <clears throat> your two teams shot ridiculous. Um, they were 29 of 54 at 53.7%. You guys were 30 of 46 at 65.2%. I mean, come on. Okay. So complete transparency. Um, we you have made not the shot rims the ball bigger. well all year. No, no, no. We, we have not. Anybody who's followed us, we have not shot the ball well all year. No. We shoot about 40%. We, we finally eclipsed the magical 30% from the arc um, <laughs> this week. But we were, we're a top five team in the country at the free throw line. Um, so all of a sudden, we, we go into last night's game that means everything, and we, we field house record percentage. I, I can't understand it. I, I'll never profess to be an expert in the profession. Um, <laughs> but it does come to the point of believing in your guys and being confident, and, and they rose to the occasion, which uh, w- was great timing. And <laughs> a little bit surprising to us, but I think it's almost a situation where we deserve it because we we're a really good shooting team in practice. And I don't know that that always translates to games when the lights are on and, and, and these guys deserved a night where the hoops felt a little bit bigger and boy, it, it couldn't have come at a better time. They like to shoot with the lights off coach. That's that's the supposedly truth. maybe yeah. that's the case. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this one out. <laughs> you got five <laughs> guys or four guys in double figures. You're led by Evan <laughs> Thomas, the junior at 19 points a game. He's pulling down by the way, 8.6 rebounds a game. Hey, not too shabby. Uh, he's also handing out over two assists a game. You've got Clayton Dykhouse, uh, 13 and a half points a game, three and a half, I'm sorry, four and a half uh, rebounds a game, three and a half assists a game. Tyler George, <coughs> excuse me, uh, 12 points a game. Uh, Jeff Bickus, 11 and a half points a game. Uh, again, uh, solid. Bickus has nearly six rebounds a game. Uh, George certainly gets the job done as well. I know it's more than just those four, but the next guy is is half the points of Bickus. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's those four really are the are the core, at least on the offensive end, on how you guys click. Yeah, and, and, and it's Bickus just to give him some props. Um, no, you, you're oh uh, yeah, it is Bickus. Sorry, it's, okay. it's all good. It's all good. Um, I knew that. It's okay, man. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, you know, it's really those four have been pretty consistent. And, you know, Evan has has really been an elite player for us at both ends of the floor and on the glass. Uh, he really has taken his game to another level. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and we always say we need three of those four to have good nights. And, you know, we lost Ty George with a stress fracture for a good three weeks. And he's just kind of now getting uh, to the point where he feels good again. He had a great night last night. We're bringing him off the bench right now. And, and that's worked out well. And he's embraced that role. But when all four of those guys are playing well, uh, we're pretty good. And there have been some games where we get two of those four that, that are they're playing well. And we've had some other guys step up. we got some role players, as every team does, that that uh, they're almost specialty players. they got a couple guys that, that really love to, to, to defend and other guys that just, you know, they could be a spot-up shooter. They kind of help our motion offense click a little bit. Um, and, and with the injuries that we had and, and the COVID stuff, um, other guys have had to step in and make plays. So, um, now I appreciate them. I think they they enjoy, um, you know, what they're going through right now. They they've as I said before, they really embrace the we mentality, and uh, and they're getting some just rewards, which is which is a blast.
You played 17 guys significant time. The least amount is five games of the season. And, and normally at this point in the season, <clears throat> I'll see rosters that deep, but it's one or two games for that lower group. Uh, it's five, six, and then eight, and then it's double figures. You're going mm -hmm. deep. Uh, I think most games you're going at least 10 players deep and yep. probably on average 12 players deep per game. That's good for resting, that's for sure. But what is it about those guys, as you said, role players I get, but some of those guys aren't necessarily knowing what role they've got on that given night, right? Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. And and that can be very frustrating and dicey in the world of, of chemistry and, and buy-in. And that's why I double down on the character of these guys, though. Uh, you know, I, if there's, uh, you know, an unsettled or, you know, frustrated part, we, we don't really see it as coaches. And that's that's a credit to the trust these guys have in the locker room and, and all they've invested off the floor and in the preseason and, you know, team retreats and things like that. Uh, and we've had to play a lot of those guys, again, out of necessity because we just didn't have – we didn't have bodies at certain parts of the season. And um, – but – you know, I, I think to me, that's just, that's all about, you know, it's practice number 79 or 80 right now when guys truly love being at practice every day. Yeah. It, it's pretty easy to fall into that routine. If you're that, you know, 11th through 16th guy and, and you're not going to see it a whole lot, are you really bringing it every day? And our guys do. And that's, you know, you know how critical that is uh, to, to really solidify the value of, of the first, you know, eight or 10 guys. Uh, they're they're really going to represent us. Uh, the other guys have to push us, and, and they got to grind and embrace the scout team mentality. And 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 we've had that, which we're very fortunate. Speaking of critical, I suspect it's critical to make sure the uh, conference comes through DeVos. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, uh, we we've earned that opportunity. We want to finish the deal on on Saturday. We have no interest in sharing anything. And uh, we want to be we want to be at home all next week, which um, we do have a pretty cool place that uh, a couple people like to show up and support us, which is great. Just just a couple, two, three. Um, <laughs> just just a, maybe per seat. Um, <laughs> speaking of not sharing anything, you don't want to share it with Calvin. I mean, it, it's there's double to this. It's not just sharing the conference yeah. regular season. It's the fact that it's Calvin. Uh, yeah, just, just sort of, I mean, again, full respect because there's no rivalry without each of us, right. um, but there's no team we want to beat more and, and I, and they feel the same way about us. So yeah, no interest in sharing it with anybody and, and certainly uh, not them. And that would, you know, that, that would not uh, do justice to the investment we made last night on the floor. Hey, quickly about this conference you, for a long time, the MIA was the hope Calvin <clears throat> show. And then there was everybody else who were just playing a supporting role for you two. Mm -hmm. Um, Trine obviously had a spectacular season last year. It's come a long way. We saw it on the women's side, and then we see it on the men's. Uh, Albion has certainly stepped up. We've seen some improvement out of Adrian. Olivetti has even kind of shown its mm -hmm. its face a few times. How much has this conference changed, and how more competitive is it? It's it's night and day. You know, I, as as a player, you know, during my time at Hope and and thereafter, I think there was a forty year stretch where thirty eight of the forty years, Hober Calvin won the conference. Yeah. And, um, you know, the six years prior to now, uh, six different teams made the national tournament in a row, which that's just kind of unimaginable, right? Yeah, true. I mean, you know, Alma makes the Elite Eight. And Albion makes a national tournament. Adrian wins the conference tournament. Trying, Calvin, you know, we, we kind of repeated it after a, a five-year break. And um, 
it's a quality of coaching, number one, and, and some investments that schools have made in their athletic programs just to upgrade facilities. And, and, but I'm going to go, I'm really going to go to the quality of coaching in our conference. It's, um, it's, it's elite, you know, and every night is a battle. And even though there's a little bit of a division record wise between your know, one through four and five through eight, um, five through eight can get you on any given night for sure. I mean, you have to be ready uh, in, in our conference and it's because of the quality of coaching for sure. And then on um, speaking of quality of coaching, you got Brian Morehouse uh, across the hall. Uh, mm-hmm. Got a program that's been number one in the country most of the season. Had an incredible <clears throat> winning streak that unfortunately Trine uh, put a, a pin in. What's it like to? I mean, there's not a lot of programs out there. I mean, Christopher Newport right now is two to- teams in the top five, but there's not a lot of other programs out there that can speak that men and women are just as competitive, just as good, and just as as mm-hmm. naturally re- nationally recognized. What's it like to be working with Brian across the hall and 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 have your teams kind of, you know? mono a mono to some degree yeah it, it, it's amazing first of all we're very, very close you know as friends and then our programs you know we we go to that florida trip together and uh, we share a gym and and share hotels and, and support each other and it's it's really special um you know mo does an amazing job he's a, he's a tactician he's a fiercest recruiter he surrounds himself with a great staff um they they, they recruit passionately and you know, hope is a great place for young women to want to go to school. And, you know, he's got an unbelievable roster that they're deep. Um, they play the game the right way. Uh, you know, we, and, and full respect to trying cause they're amazing, but there are times where most second five is the second or third best team in the conference um, because how hard they work and, and again, how deep they are. So uh, they're relentless in what they do. And it's great to learn from him. And, and I steal from him all the time. And, and uh, I like to think that, you know, he feels like we support them and, um, the collaboration is awesome, and we we do talk about it at Hope. I think Hope's a special place in regards to our whole staff as it crosses all sporting lines. And we feel like when one team wins, we all win. When one loses, we all lose, and, and we share that belief. And it's, uh, it's a fun place to, you know, DeVos is an amazing building. The hallways are great, too, because the offices that, that line it are cohesive. And that starts with our athletic director, Tim Schoonveld, who's just a, an absolute rock star. He's in the room, isn't he? He is not. Oh, he's not. I just but I do have his son on my roster, so I do have to say some good things yeah, about Scoon. Yeah, I figured. No. I knew there was a hook somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I yeah, think. It, I think uh, Brian had his daughter on his on the team. Oh, uh, his daughter happens to be an All American on Mo's team. Yeah. yeah so yeah, we so were bad. told we had to make her an All American. We, we <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right. Yeah, we were told there yeah. was no. We had no choice. No. Yeah, I think Kennedy has kind of earned that on her own merit. Yeah, I have a feeling. <laughs> hey, uh, you two ever thought about putting the teams up against each other? Because I would, I'd pay to watch that. Ah, uh, man, we have not thought about that, but uh, yeah, that, that could be interesting. That could be interesting. Yeah, I know. You just put it on the front burner right there. <laughs> hey, uh, just saying now, Hope Men versus Hope Women. Just saying, could be a lot of fun. Get a little exhibition, charge for people I'll to come what, in, raise some good a, money. We'd get a crowd. Our fans would show up. That's for dang sure. You play with the women's ball to really you give it a disadvantage to you guys. Oh, I've yeah. seen men's play for four minutes. They struggle with it. Yeah, I'm just the way we shoot the ball. We better we better rebound the heck out of it because we'll probably miss some shots. I can tell you that right now. They're a good rebounding team. Uh, I, yeah, and they're yeah. going to come out swinging, and I mean literally swinging. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Greg, I appreciate you coming on, especially last minute to talk about the game, uh, the yeah. talk about the team, talk about the conference. Really, congratulations. I mean, 
You're more in the national mix. I'll freely admit that I thought we'd be talking about you, and I think that's awesome. I love it when things go don't go according to how we all think it is, because that makes it more fun. As always, you give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, I just, you know, I'll echo what everybody probably says about you and the program. It's it's amazing to get the support we get and the research and the knowledge and the, you know, the awareness. Uh, we follow you on Twitter and we listen and there's just full respect. There are a lot of pundits out there that that talk about Division One that I don't even think they get it, and you get it, and uh, the coaches get it. It's such a great level to play at. Uh, I'm thrilled to be in the position that I'm in. Just thank you for the support and, and, and all that you do. It's um, and it's just great to be back in arenas with fans and uh, doing what we all love to do. No, right there. Back, nice to see games again. I'll freely admit. No, Amen. very nice. Hey, Absolutely. thanks for the kind words. Absolutely. Really appreciate okay. it. Uh, good luck against Kalamazoo, uh, one of my favorite school names. And uh, we'll we look go. forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Take care. Thanks much. We'll yeah. see you. Greg Mitchell joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. Great to chat with him. That was fun. Uh, great win for them against Calvin. Uh, let's see. Oh, we got a couple minutes to kill. Um, we'll let Coach go. Um, there we go. Save him the hassle. I've uh, got a couple minutes to kill before we get our next guest coming up at the top of the hour. We still have. It's all going to be women in the next hour. It's going to be uh, Penn State Baron followed by Scranton. Women, uh, Whitman women's coach, Michelle French. We actually talked to her earlier today. We're going to air it earlier in the show, but just timing-wise, uh, it'll come up later in the program instead. Um, just going to try and react to some things. I know we've gotten some questions regarding um, uh, those rankings. Again, remember, that's based on the criteria that is the NCAA um, if you're watching the show, don't worry. Whitman is coming up. Uh, d- don't worry. Um, let's see here. Um, trying to read. I saw a couple of comments. I, I want to double check. I just want to remind everybody the top 16 that came out. Oh, that was what I was doing. Top 16 that came out was based on criteria at the NCAA. And I think some people are going to be surprised when you look at some of the schedules and go, well, I don't get this or I don't get that or whatever it is. Remember, it's not top 16 in the country based on the D3hoops.com top 25 or the WBCA top 25. Uh, it's a little bit different than that. It's a little bit, you you got to go on the criteria that we talked about with the chairs and, and that changes the equation. And I'll give you an example. We were just talking about hope. The hope women, you know, they're sitting in that 12 spot I think that surprises some people, but I think in the grand scheme of things, if you think about it, that's probably about right when you look at the criteria. Um, Hope tends to struggle a little bit on the SOS number. I don't know why. I I really don't. But, you know, there's a game against Finlandia in there on the schedule. Uh, There's a game against Edgewood. Now, Edgewood was a 25-3 and team um, in 1920, and it was a 11-5 and last year, so maybe that's just an unfortunate occurrence, but they're 11-12. and uh the finlandia game um let's see here finlandia currently is well they're 13 and 8 so i i can't knock them too much on it but they don't tend to bring in a strong sos but then there's a game against grace bible so that doesn't even count for ncaa purposes there's a game against aquinas that doesn't count for ncaa purposes um and you had a game against illinois college you couldn't even play illinois college is 7 and 10 I'm not faulting hope on its schedule. I'm just trying to give you an example that 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 those numbers are what end up being part of the decision-making process, not the other aspects of it. So if I go to the women's regional rankings and I call up Hope's region to look at their data sheet that we can at least see, um, hold on, as it loads for me, you look at numbers like, 
Uh, 19 and one, great. Four and one against regionally ranked opponents in a 543 SOS. Okay, not too bad. Listen, honestly, that's not too bad. But there are SOSs that are a heck of a lot stronger than that. Alma's is a 563. They're 12 and 10 this year. Um, again, maybe I'm being I picked the wrong school in terms of trying to point that out, but especially on the women's side, the margin of error on that criteria is a lot more narrow. And I think that's what's really interesting about some of these some of these decisions by um, the committees is because the margin is more narrow. The men's side, I think, is more there's it's not as narrow because we have more losses. More losses play a role in the sense that records aren't as gaudy. And so I think that's that's kind of where we we look at it. I don't know. I want to dive into those numbers more. I'm going to spend the next week certainly doing so. I want to better appreciate where teams were got ranked and all of that stuff, and we'll figure it out. Maybe I'm wrong on what I'm trying to get at, but that's kind of where I'm I'm coming from. I wasn't surprised. Maybe a little surprised to see Hope down at 12. Uh, I think I was more surprised to see a team like Amherst up at four, but I got to go look at the numbers, break it down. It was more certainly Transylvania sitting at two. Uh, by the way, I did get a question about this. You know, Does that mean that Hope women are probably going to be on the road in the first weekend? No, I don't think that necessarily means that. Um, yes, you got Transylvania. Yes, you have Simpson nearby. Um, you got Trine nearby and you have DePaul. A little bit worrisome, but remember, not all of them are going to stay there. Hope may rise up further. I don't think that means that Hope's out of hosting. Uh, I think they're still very much in the mix to get a chance to host. Granted, unless the men are hosting, but that would be, take a significant change as well. All right, going to take a break. Uh, we are keeping an eye on the Yeshiva St. Joseph's game. From what I've been watching, it has been back and forth. It has started the second half. Yeshiva has a 50-47 to 47 lead, but a moment ago I saw St. Joseph with a lead. So the game's going back and forth. We'll keep an eye on things there and see how things shake out. Um, and we'll keep abreast of that. But when we come back, we'll talk to Penn State Baron women's basketball Chris, coach Christine Van Hook. You're listening to Hoops Soap, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us, it's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. schools than division one more fans than division two and more upsets than march madness 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, rolling along. We'll be having, a, hopefully, Coach uh, Barron's coach will join us here. Or, I'll try that again. Coach Van Hook from Barron will hopefully join us here in a moment. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. Keeping track of things there. I haven't seen any comments. Uh, also in uh, YouTube. Sorry, Daryl, just saw your comment. Good to see you have Coach Friends on tonight. I remember when Michelle and her husband coached the boys and girls high school b-ball teams at my alma mater in Okanogan. I think it is Washington a long time ago. Yeah, we'll have her coming up here in just a little bit. Looking forward to chatting with her as well. Um, looks like maybe Daryl jumped off, but hopefully he heard my response. Uh, again, you got questions for us, send them along our way. We certainly will look forward to it. Um, try and answer them the best we can. It's an interesting night, to say the least, and we're looking forward to uh, talking more about all of this uh, as we get closer and closer to things. Um, we uh, Again, let's let's talk about the timeline here. Next Tuesday, we will have the men's third regional rankings. I'm calling them third. Uh, the last ones we'll see before the brackets are announced. So they'll come out on Tuesday. And remember, all this data is based on the previous Sunday. So, you know, Wisconsin Whitewater, for example, was in that top 16, uh, but they lost last night. We didn't get a chance to talk how the top 25 has done so far, but they did lose last night. So um, most, yeah, that might impact whether they're in the top 16 now. Uh, but because the data is through Sunday. Anyway, um, so we'll get the men's final regional rankings coming up on Tuesday. The women's final regional rankings of the regular season will come out on Wednesday. On Sunday, as we're wrapping up com conference championships, and we will moan and complain about the fact that there's conference championships taking 
way too late on Sunday, uh, causing the committee to have to work way too late. But on Sunday, the Nash, the racks will meet in the mornings to kind of put their racks together with any of those who have outcomes still to be decided on Sunday, kind of what ifs. Those what ifs will be probably basically put together. The National Committee will start working in the afternoon, believe it or not. And they will work their way through all they can uh, and that they're allowed with games that haven't come back to them, you know, that that are still being played. Um, So that will take place on Sunday and they will continue working until all the games are done. And when all the games are done, then they put it all together. Once they are all done with their selections, then they get to bracketing. Um, we will be on the air Sunday evening on a Hoopsville special, our selection Sunday special. Undetermined what time we will start, but we have traditionally started around 6 p.m. That is our goal at this time. We'll probably start at 6 p.m. And then we will, uh, um, I, I think we've traditionally done the men first and then the women. We'll figure it out which order we end up doing that in. Stay with us on Twitter and on face, gra- face, group, uh, face group, Facebook and all them. We'll give you an idea of what we're doing. And then Monday, the brackets are announced. So the NCAA.com, just as they did the top 16, will have a an announcement with the brackets. If I remember, it's around 12, 1230 is the women's bracket on Monday. The men's follows a couple hours later, or I have that reverse. Maybe it's men first, followed by women. We will then be on air Monday evening to kind of react to all of that. So I hope that makes sense. Um, so there you go. Um, not sure where our guest is. We're going to try and chase him down or make some adjustments here. Uh, give us a minute. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll have somebody on the air with us. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference.
Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody, as we continue to roll along. Aug, uh, uh, Audible, we're audibling, Aud Omaha, Omaha. Uh, we're bringing in uh, our next guest a little bit early. Uh, we don't know where our Penn State Baron head coach is, but hopefully we'll catch up with her by the end of the show. Still ahead, we have Whitman women's basketball coach uh, Michelle Frentz will join us. Um, but well, let's talk Scranton women's basketball, uh, leading the, the conference. And I'll be honest, a little surprised at that, not because of Scranton, but I got to see some other schools like Elizabethtown this season. And I thought the world of Elizabethtown, Catholics had a really good season, and Drew's certainly been coming out of the woodwork. So I thought, you know, Scranton's got a bit of a bit of a battle in front of them. I'm, I'm not sure they can get out of this unscathed. What do I know? Uh, they're undefeated in the conference, and it looks like everything will have to go through the go through Scranton, at least on the women's side, in landmark play. They control their own destiny. They're 17th in the conference, uh, in the in the country. We'll double check their regional rankings and where they stand. Though they did not, they did make. I should say they did make the top 16, sitting in the eighth spot. We'll see if that means anything to their head coach, because he joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Nick DePillo joins. It's DePillo, right? I've never double checked that with you. It is. It is. Okay. All of a sudden paranoid there. I went, oh, I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> hey, uh, first and foremost, good to see you. Uh, hey, it's it feels routine to say you're having a great season. I mean, you took this job knowing that these are the types of seasons you are expected to have, whether they were told to that explicitly or not. But how how are you having a season? What what's your what's your judgment of it, as it were? Um you know, you know what? It's, it's funny you say that. First of all, I mean, I, I learned really, really quick on the job that uh, there's a there's a level of expectations that comes along with being the head coach at Scranton. Um, there's definitely a, yeah. a standard of excellence that was set here long before I got here. Um, I've been fortunate to to at least play a small part in it, and hopefully, we can keep it going moving forward. Um, you know, it's been an interesting year to say the least. You know, we returned everybody from last year's you know very shortened season. Um, made a couple additions and it took us 
you know, mainly took me a, a little bit longer than it should have to figure out how all those pieces need to fit together and work. Um, obviously, like every other team, we've had some COVID interruptions and, you know, games moved around and we've, you know, lost a few kids here and there. Um, and, and I think because of that, we're starting to play our best basketball right now, um, which is honestly a, a pretty good time to start playing. It. Um, you know, we're, yeah. we're fortunate to have a really deep, talented roster. Um, and, and more importantly, they're just unbelievable kids who, you know, one through 18, as crazy as that number sounds, you know, one through 18, they, they care about Scranton women's basketball and, and it makes it really fun to come to practice every day. Um, I, I was going to say, it's almost feels like a prerequisite for the players too. They, they show up, they need to care about Scranton women's <laughs> basketball too. I mean, everybody understands you're coming into a program that is one of the more storied programs in division three. It's got a ravenous, um, following and fan base you are expected to succeed and even when you lose a game there are question marks it, it's <laughs> what's that what's that pressure like you, you know Dave even when we win games if they don't look the fair. way they're supposed to look totally fair that's yes that, it, it's part of it too you know it uh, I'd be lying if I, if I said the first year it didn't affect me a little bit um I, I learned really quickly that um you know just focus on what's in front of you and, you know, we, as a group, we rarely talk about anything other than the next event, whether it's a practice or a game or anything like that. Um, and, and for us, it, that's just the best way to go. Um, you know, we, we know we haven't played our best basketball yet, although we're, we're, we're creeping toward it. Um, you know, so for us, you know, it's nice to, to see that people think highly of us as, as a basketball program right now. And, and people do have high expectations of us and, and where we think we're going to go. Um, but at the end of the day, we know, and we talked about it before practice today, if we don't have a great practice today, great practice tomorrow, and put our best foot forward against a really good Catholic team on Saturday, you know, all those things go away really, really quickly. Yeah, that's an easy way to say it. You guys are positioned well, though, and obviously a one loss isn't going to hurt. You guys have two on the season in Ithaca and in Stevens. And in the grand scheme of things, the Ithaca one looks outstanding because if memory serves, Ithaca's in the top 16 uh, the loss to Stevens, I mean, I'm sure that one was questioned, but they're 17 and five. I mean, they're a good team, sure. but what happened in those games from your perspective, just because those are the only blemishes we really see. You, I gotta be totally honest with you. I, I probably did a terrible job getting us ready for those games. And, and both of those teams, by the way, really, 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 really talented teams, yes. extremely well coached. Um, and like you said, both are having really good years and it's been, it's been, it's been fun following, you know, both, you know, uh, Dan and Meg, um, you know, lead their teams to, to really good records and really good seasons. Um, but, you know, you know, for us, it, it kind of goes back to what I said at the very beginning, just um, taking a little bit of time trying to figure things out and how pieces need to add together um, and, and, and play best together. Um, I, I will say the leadership of our team and not just, you know, the, the, the kids that, you know, play the most for us, but, you know, all the all five seniors on our roster, you know, Kayla Farney and Carly Heineman and Danielle McCurdy, um, Abby Anderson, Emily Sharina. You know, after that Stevens loss, we had some really, really difficult conversations about um, what needed to change. Um, and, and it was a great opportunity because it was it was our last game prior to final. So we actually didn't practice for almost a week, might have been just more than a week after that, which is like the worst thing in the world. You just want to get right back in the gym and fix everything. Right. But it caused us, it, it caused us to really have some um you know, self-reflection and, and figure out what they could do better. And most importantly, what I could do better, how, how I could position us to be, um, you know, better as a group moving forward. Since then, we've improved, 
you know, on both ends of the floor. Uh, we lead our we lead the league in defensive field goal percentage. We're the only team in the league with a positive assist to turnover ratio. And, and those are things that we've talked about um, that really translate to success, not just through the regular season, but if we're going to show any type of success in the landmark uh, tournament. And, and you know, fortunately, if we're fortunate enough to play an NCAA tournament, you know, to be successful there, I mean, those things have to be a constant. Some of the numbers don't jump out at me this year when I look at the stat sheet. Shooting 39.8%, that's a little on the low side for most teams. 38, 33.8% from being on the arc, 74% from the free throw line. Um, you're out-rebounding your opponents. That's no surprise. I've seen you in person. You're a tall team. Uh, you're going to have some advantages there, and so you do out-rebound your opponent. Yes, the assist-to-turnover ratio, certainly studly numbers. But again, the shooting numbers don't blow me away. And when I looked at you guys and I saw you play, and granted, against my alma mater, that's not a shot at Andrea, there's a matchup thing there that you're going to take advantage of. But I wasn't blown away. And again, it could have been just the opponent. But you're getting the job done. So what's been... Is there a secret in the sauce? Is there is there something different about this team that you're not going to blow everybody away, but you're you're going to still get it done that we're not able to see? I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. And, and you know, to, to be fair, I think numbers could be a little deceiving from time to time. I fair. think if you, if you looked at us in some of our in our biggest games, you know, quote unquote, you know, we we've had some of our better offensive performances. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that's probably hard for us to put our thumb on. Um, you know, I will say I, I know you had a chance to see us. You know. Our, our point guard, Bridget Monahan, is leading the, the country in three-point shooting uh, percentage. The only kid shooting 47%, over 50 from three, and over 90 from the line. Yeah, it's a um, little sick. What's that? A little sick. We're going to get <laughs> yeah, to it, it, it. It is. The kid doesn't leave the gym either. I think that's that's the crazy part. But, um, you know, but to be fair, you know, again, we, we had some stretches where we haven't been um, as smooth offensively as I would love us to be. Um, but like you said, you know, rebounding has been terrific. Defense has gotten better every game, um, you know, we're valuing the basketball. And, and again, you know, we shoot a ton of threes. I mean, you know, we're, we're on pace to set the school record for three pointers made and attempted for the second time mm. in three years since I've been here. Um, and so, you know, analytically that, that does alter the stats a little bit, um, you know, which definitely helps us as well. Yeah. We should point out Bridget wasn't playing in that Goucher game. And, and so that likely was playing a role in that, in that result. So I was seeing something funky to some degree there, but Bridget, I mean, she, it, that was kind of be kind of my juxtaposition. All right, I just gave you these kind of funky numbers, but then Bridget comes out. She's shooting forty-seven percent from the floor, fifty-one percent from beyond the arc. And I have looked at that four times today and thought it was a typo. And the numbers were flipped: ninety-one percent from the floor. She leads the team in scoring at seventeen point eight points per game. Pulls down about three rebounds a game. Hands out about three assists a game. Uh, gets about two steals per game. She's obviously the straw that stirs the drink. She obviously is the key there. You can play without her. You don't want to play without her. How important is she? Uh, she's she's vital to what we do. Um, you know, it, it goes without saying. You know, the numbers obviously speak for itself. Um, you know, she's definitely the head of the snake. You know, in, in a lot of things we do, and you know, she gets those numbers despite getting an unbelievable amount of attention. Um, you know, and, and I will say, you know, she could care less whether she scores two or twenty five. You know, she just wants to make sure we're winning, we're moving the ball well, we're playing the right way. Um, and, you know, she's she's helped a lot of our players make their lives a little easier. Um, and her and Abby Anderson have done an unbelievable job um, growing together as a one-two punch um, as the season's gone on. I mean, Abby is you know, third in the league in scoring and first in the league in rebounding. 
um, you know, can play literally one through five and has for us at different points this year. Um, you know, she's, it, it's made it a lot harder just to key on one. And then, you know, obviously you go a little deeper into our roster and, you know, the depth of our talent and, you know, we're bringing kids off the bench that a lot of teams would love to have, um, you know, in their top three or four. So, you know, again, you talk about things that's been really hard, um, why we haven't necessarily played our best basketball early on in the year. And a lot of it was just settling on a rotation. I mean, just because the, the, the wealth, the embarrassment of wealth that we have the talent on our roster, you know, it, it makes it really difficult. I mean, some of our practices are absolute battles and wars and it's great. And it's pushed us to be where we are right now. Um, and we wouldn't be here, you know, if we, if we didn't have that. Anderson, uh, graduate student, 17 and a half points a game. Uh, Sharina at eight points a game, six each for our Harnett and uh, Angelini. Again, you've got a lot of talent. We were just talking to um, uh, uh, Greg Mitchell at Hope about his team and how he plays a ton of players. And that, you know, usually at this time of season, I'll see a lot of players in a box score, or not a box score, but a, a season stat line. But there's a lot who are one, two, three, maybe four four games. You don't have anybody who's played less than seven. Uh, you, you, you are willing to go on the bench. But is that a, is that a result of a lot of games that are out of hand? And so you're giving a lot of depth or is that because you have the depth and you can go that deep? You know, it's a little bit of both. I mean, to be fair, we played six games without a good chunk of our roster um, due to, you know, uh, obviously COVID concerns. Obviously we've been in some games where, um, you know, the the score allowed us to go a little bit deeper. Um, There were some games where we played big. There were some where we played small Again, when you're dealing with a roster as deep as we have, we, we definitely have the flexibility to, um, you know, experiment with different things and try different lineup combinations and, um, you know, do different things. It's it's been, it's been it's been fun. And, and again, our, our kids, like I said, one through eighteen, have made my job extremely difficult every day trying to figure out the the right group of kids to play. So, um, you know, we're obviously better for it. If if I know everybody well up in Scranton, I'm sure there's a lot of individuals who let you know what the best uh, options are there, on who you should be playing. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're we'll not. You're not wrong, my friend. We'll leave it at that. Hey, um, so you got hired in 2019. So welcome yeah. to the show. You get one year before things. Well, you thought you had a second year before things went haywire, yeah. uh, and then you get the pandemic, and then you've got now. You're an assistant coach at Keene and then at uh, New York Liberty, by the way, not too shabby. Uh, and then at Seton Hall. Anything prepare you for what you, you've had to deal with at Scranton in terms of, of just the craziness that you got basically halfway through your second season? You, you know, I wish I could say have like a long, elaborate answer, but but no, it, it really hasn't. It's been, um, you know, coaching through a pandemic, taking over you know, a program that, you know, where the expectations are through the roof. Um, graduating two years ago, a, a group of really accomplished seniors who played in a lot of big games. Um, fortunate we were able to get in a shortened landmark season last year and get our young kids some experience. And, and, and then um, having that group back again and, and adding a couple pieces to the roster um, heading into this year, it's been it's been a whirlwind. But but to be honest, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate to work you know, for great people and work with great people every day. Um, and they've made this, they, they've made this great. So it's been, it's been enjoyable. And I get to talk to you on a, you know, nine thirty on a Thursday night. Like what else is better than that? I mean, really, there's nothing else to do, right? Absolutely not. No other responsibilities whatsoever. Zero. Zero. <laughs> hey, uh, you got a two game lead on Elizabethtown, which means you basically, everything's coming through the long center. 
Um, and you've swept them this season too, which I, listen, I am a little surprised. I saw E-Town this year in person as well. I thought they might give you some, and again, I was comparing to a, a Monahan list team, so maybe not fair, but I still thought they might give you some trouble. I'm a, I'm almost a little startled that Veronica and her squad didn't trip you up once. Tell me about that matchup and what you're able to take advantage there. Well, I'll tell you at our place, we were down, we we're down nine, seven or nine late third quarter. And, you know, to our kids credit, they, they really did what they needed to do to, to kind of rally and, and have a huge fourth quarter in that game. Um, you know, if I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I worry about them. I worry about Catholic. I worry about Drew, you know, obviously Mary Beth and, and Moravian took us down to the wire um, a couple of weeks ago. Our league is, is solid and, and beyond solid. You can make an argument. We're a two, you know, we could be a two, possibly a three bit league. I mean, obviously Catholic's been in the top 25 all year. Elizabethtown is extremely, extremely, extremely talented. Have a bunch of kids who can really, really score play incredibly hard. Um, you know, but you know, we're fortunate, you know, we talk about the things that, that are important to us. And, and if you look at the assisted turnover ratio in both of those games, we were really, really good on the glass. Um, you know, we made enough threes and made enough plays and, you know, in big games, you know, your, your best players need to play well. And, and we're fortunate enough that, that every time, um, every time it's gotten tough, you know, it's, it's been somebody new stepping up and, and helping us out. And, you know, it's, you know, we talk about Bridget and Abby, but, you know, Emily Shearn has played well on both sides of the ball. Kira Quigley is getting better and better every day. You know, our bench with Maddie Ryan and Emma Dewar, um, Carly Heineman, you know, Maddie Harden has been playing terrific. Hannah Angelini's probably, you know, for my money, the best defensive guard in the league. And she was second team all league a year ago. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate that on any given night, it could be somebody else. So, you know, while Bridge and Abby have been unbelievable this year, and, and in my opinion, they both deserve to be player of the year. Um, you know, we're fortunate that if, you know, one of those don't have their A game on a particular night. We have enough depth where somebody else can can slide in and pick up the slack. What about this conference race? Drew looked early on to be the kind of the darling of the conference. Have fallen to six and seven, though they still have a winning percentage of fifteen and seven. Interesting enough, again, all seven losses in conference. Catholic has looked really strong. They're nineteen and three. All three conferences, uh, all three losses are conference. E Town again, eleven and two in conference, nineteen and four. You always have to watch out for Mary Beth Spurk. This conference has gotten pretty deep in the women's side of things. Totally agree. Uh, totally agree. And you mentioned about Drew. I mean, I've known John years long before I was at long before I've been here at Scranton. He does a great job with his kids. Their front line is as big and as physical as anybody's in the league. Um, like you said, you know, Catholic has been, you know, they're one of the best defensive teams that we play against every single year. They play incredibly hard. They hammer the glass. Um, you know, we already talked about E-Town, how talented they are. Um, you know, you're right. It's, there's never a night off. I mean, there's, it's, it, it, it's, it's a grind. It's a grind of a league. I don't think enough people give our conference, you know, it's due. Um, you know, fortunately, just taking a quick peek at the regional rankings when they came out yesterday, you know, it seems like there, there is a little bit of love and respect for, for Elizabethtown and Catholic, um, you know, two other teams where I, I really, really think have a, have a, a strong case to, to be in a tournament. Yeah, you guys were number one, Gettysburg two, Messiah three, Hopkins four, no surprise, but then Catholic at five, E-Town at seven. Um to to help the landmark in, in what is a very deep region in terms of really good schools. Of course, this conference is now going to get bigger, as we first reported and then later was confirmed by the conference last week. You guys are adding Lycoming and Wilkes, not next season, but the following for 2023 and then 24 academic year. You have 10 non-conference games right now. That'll get whittled down to six with this, I think. Well, if 11, I, do... I think 11 and seven. 
Right. Like 14 league games, 11 non-league. But yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 right. No, you're right. I might have done the math wrong. I was about to say something yeah. isn't adding up with how I just did that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously you'll you'll get a little bit tighter in terms of what you can do with non-conference, but it's going to get a little bit more crazy. First off, you get Wilkes yeah. back in play in a conference way. Lyco's not too far. So for you guys, not yeah. horrible on the travel side of things. But it does make for a little bit more of an interesting conference landscape. It wasn't done with basketball in mind. It wasn't done with other sport, sports in mind. It was done with football in mind. Your reaction to the conference getting bigger like this? Well, I mean, it seemed it seemed to me from again talk about things that are above my pay grade. This is way <laughs> way above it. Um, but it does seem that obviously, like you said, you know, football was the driver of these things, as are most things in in college sports. Um, you know, it seemed like we were destined to expand you know, anyway. And, you know, selfishly speaking, as far as geography goes, um, if you're going to add two teams, it's, it's good to have them somewhat in your, in your footprint, you know, hopefully, you know, create a little more interest in, in some of the conference games, obviously, you know, us to Wilkes is 30 minutes and, and Lyco is not terribly far away from us. Um, you know, I'm sure there are a couple of teams in, in the Southern part of our conference that aren't really excited about making the trip up to those parts of Pennsylvania a couple more times a year, but um I think the, the biggest thing is kind of what you alluded to earlier with the non-conference schedule, you know, us really having to be selective about, you know, assuming you're right and it's going to be um, seven non-league games that we're going to have to play, uh, you know, making sure that we're taking into consideration who we're scheduling and, you know, making sure we get enough quality opponents in our non-league schedule to kind of help us when the regional rankings and things of that nature come around and honestly test us for where we ultimately want to be late February, early March. Yeah, and and I just double checked. It is uh, it it will go to eleven seven. Or I mean, it will go from eleven to seven, um, in terms of non conference. I'm just saying the D three hoops dot com classic still an option. I know that takes two games off your plate, but I'm just saying we're willing to have you back out there. Would love to have the Royals again. Maybe bring the men's team with you. <laughs> I am I I do enjoy Vegas. Uh, Vegas is a good spot. We are we were supposed to go down to Naples this past um, December, and you know, we were supposed to get Baldwin Wallace down there and Colby and. Unfortunately, some you know, as with everybody, you know, things saying Vegas up, is so. better. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm biased. I'm flat out biased. <laughs> I could tell. Nah, could just tell. a wee bit. Hey, Nick, I appreciate the time. Uh, interesting take on things. Before I let you go, and before we give you the final word, I am curious how important is it? We saw you guys again sitting in the eighth slot. That'll change um, in terms of this of this mock top sixteen. How important though is it to get some NCAA tournament games, if not as many as you can before going to Pittsburgh, if that's what happens, to come through Scranton? Oh, it's extremely important. I mean, you know, for one, there's a comfort level, obviously, with playing at home. You know, you alluded to the fan base, um, having an opportunity to play in front of a great crowd um, in, in a great gym um, is, is something that we really enjoy. I mean, you know, last night we had a whiteout against Susquehanna and, and the, the turnout that we had for for that game was phenomenal. And, you know, even my first year um, at the later the season goes, the bigger the crowds get. So, you know, for us, it's really important. Um, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning of the season. We've talked about it a little bit more when conference play began. Um, you know, those things are really important. Those are like the big picture goals that, you know, we'd love to play NCAA tournament games on our home floor. So, you know, those are definitely important. And, you know, obviously in order to do it, we have to continue to get better every day. Um, you know, it's, it's cliche, it's coach speak, but it, you know, it's, it's also the reality. You know, we, we have to make sure that we're as prepared as we can be, you know, we, we you know, we don't want to have any slip ups, you know, we don't want there to be any doubt. We want to make sure that we, we bulk up and build up our resume as, as well as we can. 
and, you know, make the, make the committee's job really easy, you know, if and when that time comes. Makes sense. I appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. Uh, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, you know, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, obviously appreciate you and everything you do for, for the game to bring attention to, to our sport, to, to our, our student athletes and our young women. Um, you know, I know I can speak for them when I say we, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you. Well, thanks coach. I appreciate it. It was good to see you earlier this season and uh, looking forward to catching up with you down the road. Uh, you know, give Carl a hard time for me if you don't mind. <laughs> just just say I tell, tell him I said hi. I definitely will, my friend. Awesome. Take care of yourself and Dave, enjoy the rest care. of it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Nick DeBillo joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Um, before we get to break, and Michelle Frentz is coming up, a couple of updates. First and foremost, uh, we were going to have um, Christine Van Hook from uh, Penn State Baron on the show. Unfortunately, unable to make it. Um, it turns out uh, what we don't re- didn't realize fully. She has four foster children uh, that she looks after. And we have a feeling she got a little bit tied up with that. We can certainly appreciate that. We will work to get her on sometime next week. Um, not sure details right now. I don't want to jump the gun too far, but we'll get her on a show coming up, but hats off. Uh, she's adopted one of those three or those four. She has three others, apparently maybe wanting to adopt them, but uh, took in four foster children. Amazing work. Amazing work. So appreciate her, uh, uh, her efforts there and uh, totally understand not being able to make it, but we will try and get her on a, on an updated show here in the near future. Uh, in men's basketball, St. Joseph and uh, Yeshiva playing. Yeshiva is pulling away from it. Ryan Terrell is having a, is having a game. Um, first off, Gabe Leifer's got 16 points, but Terrell's got 22. Uh, Helpert's got 23. Uh, and they are... are St. Joseph's led at halftime, halftime 45-40. Yeshiva is winning the second half with less than a minute to play, 47-29. Have an 87-74 victory or win right now. Uh, St. Joseph's shooting 48% from the floor. Yeshiva shooting 53%. They are 12 for 24 from beyond the arc. St. Joe's two of nine. Um, not to jump the gun, but here's here's the great question. I, I've thought high of St. Joseph's this season. What do you what do you make of this? It's going to be the the last undefeated team was going to go down here in a, in a loss tonight, and as a top twenty five voter, am I looking at the Yeshiva team that uh, we we all expected to see, or the Yeshiva team that's lost two in the skyline? And that makes it hard. That makes it really hard to figure out. I know Terrell's having a hell of a game. Eight of nineteen from the floor, three of sixteen from beyond the arc, three of three from the free throw line, along with six assists. He, uh, Helpert's 8 of 13, 7 of 10 from beyond the arc. Uh, Lifer's 7 of 14 uh, with 9 rebounds. It's going to be a big win for uh, Yeshiva. That's what they're going to need heading into the things here. They they now are leading by 11 over St. Joe's, who is, will fall to 22 and 1. We'll take a break when we come back. Uh, I talked to Michelle Frantz earlier today. We'll have her conversation. You're listening to Hoopsle, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. 
It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we wrap up, we got a nice long conversation here with Michelle Frentz. On the other end of that conversation, we'll wrap up the show, so we won't go too much longer. Uh, but a, a supersized show here with lots covering. Obviously, we talked, we started with the top 16 uh, and lots to talk about since then. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, and join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, Blazer Bobcat watching and listening from Albany, Georgia. Thank you, sir. Uh, he says, final score from Georgia. Maryville uh, men defeated Piedmont 78-59. Maryville men got a loss earlier uh, that we talked about on the last show. Um, but I like them. They're a really good team. Of course, new conference uh, that they'll be heading to. The Khalid, uh, what, what did we finally decide that was going to be called? College Conference of the South is what we believe that will be called. So, uh haven't heard word. We we heard we we that should be be released soon, but we haven't heard word as of yet. And it's a final, by the way. Yeshiva defeats St. Joseph's eighty-seven seventy-six. Um, I've got Yeshiva in my top twenty-five. I'll keep them there. I'll move St. Joseph's down. Uh, that's not the current top twenty-five. Um, I got St. Joseph admittedly pretty high, but it's also one loss against a really good team. I'll move them down, but I don't know if I'll kill them for it. We'll hopefully get them on a show here in the near future. Again, if you missed it, Penn State Baron women's basketball coach Christine Van Hook unable to join us. We believe she's tied up with her four foster children, and we hats off to her for that. We'll get her on to a near show in the near future. In the meantime, went out to Region 10 and talked with Michelle Frentz earlier today about uh, Whitman, about the conference. Also talked to her about being a rack chair with a very different rack, and of course also being on the national committee. It was a great conversation with her. Uh, had a had a wonderful time chatting with her all about it, and again joined us earlier today. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Whitman women's basketball team, Ms. Michelle Ferenc. Coach, good to see you. It's good to see you, Dave. It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, COVID, nonetheless, but it's been yeah. a while in general. Hey, listen, we have this conversation often, but I'll say it again: twenty-two and one, fourteen and zero. Obviously, having a strong season. Uh, doing well in not only overall but in the conference we're, we're here with just you know days left in the regular season you got to be pretty thrilled with where you sit I am I we're uh you know we we had high expectations coming into this year but you know you're always 
it's never easy. Still not easy. We still have two home games to finish out conference, but clinching uh, last weekend, um, although we tried to blow it, um, really, you know, was was awesome. We haven't clinched um, that early for a while, so it's it was fun. Again, you know, interesting take. We always try and get an understanding of where you guys come from. Your, your first three games, Eastern Oregon, Montana, Western, and Southern Oregon, and then later on you played Walla Walla. So we always have a little bit of a struggle early on to understand who you guys are. It's not that we don't realize some of those teams and who they are and stuff. It's just hard for us to gauge yeah. good or bad. And so we usually have to wait. And I think I finally was turning my head around the time you lost to Santa Cruz, interestingly enough. It was yeah. kind of like, okay, this team's kind of got something rolling here. They look yeah. pretty good. And then Santa Cruz tripped you up. And I remember chatting with Gordon. We both went, well, okay. What, what does that mean more about <laughs> Santa Cruz? Does that mean more about women? We got to wait. And, of course, Santa Cruz, similar schedule. We're trying to, trying to gauge it. At what yeah. point in this season, you said you had high expectations coming in, but at what point in the season did you realize, okay, this is going to maybe live up to the expectations? Was it early? Was it maybe around Santa Cruz? Was it later on? Um, you know, we got off to, but you know, that you, you mentioned our, our always NAIA start, you know, it's just kind of the geography out here. You just, we just can't get the 25 games. And, um, you know, there's always some untested. Uh, I think for us, uh, you know, Santa Cruz is a good team, but we just play so much on the road. I mean, nine, nine of our first 11 games were on the road. And that's just so incredibly tough. And so I think for me, it was more, um, this team was finding ways to win. They're just finding ways to win. And somebody said, well, what do you do well? I said, I'm not even sure what we do well some days, but we just find ways to win. And I think that the resiliency of the road trips was more for me than anything else, um, you know, the hiccup at Santa Cruz, um, Santa Cruz is a good team, um, you know, and that was our, you know, like I said, our ninth road game of 11, yeah. and, you know, and, and stupid me, you know, goes out and schedules, you know, um, a division one against Idaho that's at their place. And then a, another exhibition at Lewis and Clark state, which is just down the road, you know, and all on the road. So we just, we just packed our bags and went and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and, and there's just, I just feel like, you know, there's every year I try to do it better. And I just, it just doesn't happen. We just can't get, we just can't get home games in the off season. So I think probably, you know, um, I thought our kids played really well at Dallas. I think that was one of the, they came really ready on that trip. Uh, UT Dallas is, you know, I mean, Polly's had great teams. I don't think this is probably, she would probably say this is their greatest team, but they're athletic and they're physical. And that was a good test for us. That was a really good test for us. And I felt like, okay, well, if we can do this, we might be all right. Um, you know, because our, our conference is, if you you probably have noticed, the Northwest Conference is a bit of a mess this year. Um, lots of people are beating up on each other. So yeah. for, for us, it's, uh, rising above the fray, you know, being ready for everybody. And we've taken everybody's best shot this year. I mean, it's just people play out of their heads against us. And, you know, that's, that's all because you ranked us like two or three to start Dave. So I just blame it on you. Um, but, you know, I mean, I mean, really we've, we've become that, you know, you, you, that's what happens when you're a highly ranked team and yeah. knowing if you, it just, is my team going to be able to handle that? You know, that was a big part of it. And, and for the most part we have. No and, and kind of to my conversation with Marietta's uh, men's coach last show and, and to what to your extent, uh, having a target on your back, the conference is always tough. You always have a couple of teams that are going to give you some trouble, not because they may be better. It's just that everybody knows each other. You're playing a second time, et cetera, et cetera. I almost am a little surprised, and this isn't a negative, that you're undefeated in conference at this point. I kind of maybe have just kind of gotten used to going, yeah, there's one or, or yep, yeah, there's the second. <laughs> 
And you guys are sitting here heading into the last weekend and into conference tournament without one, which is obviously a testament to the team, but it, it also makes you wonder, okay, where is the conference? Um, I mean, Puget sounds still in the conversation, obviously Pacific has got a good team and, and others, but are you guys just that much better maybe this year than the rest, as you said, who are beating each other up or circumstances sometimes? A little bit of circumstances. Um, we, we, uh, I mean, we've had some circumstances. I wasn't sure we were going to survive. We played, we had to make some, we had a COVID makeup and a weather makeup. And we yeah. ended up pretty early in the conference schedule having to go what seven and nine or seven and 10. Yeah. Um, and that was nuts. I was pretty sure we, I, I was pretty sure we weren't going to be able to contend, but we, I mean, and we have, we haven't like, uh, you know, we just have, we haven't blown teams out. We've had a couple games where we've, we've kind of, you know, gotten away from teams, but, um, I think one thing that we have, uh, is we've got experience, you know, we have a, a good quarterback from our 2020 team, not even the 19, you know, the 2021 last year, but some kids that, that understand what it takes to get to a tournament mm. and they understand what the tournament's about and you can't have those hiccups. You know, you got, I mean, it's hard to build a resume, um, for us. I mean, we just don't, and you never know how the conference is going to be, but the conference is young there's some new coaches there's some young teams um i would say probably us pacific um whitworth have the most experience back but then you know we you have to stay healthy knock on wood um yes healthy so yeah and the northwest conference isn't necessarily worse it's just on any night they've been beating up on each other and i don't know how to i mean so it's kept everybody kind of at that 500 600 level and you know um and really the only teams that separate themselves are us, UPS and Pacific and UPS and Pacific haven't played again. They play again this weekend. So they're, you know, um, that could be a split. So it's, it's really, it's been a, an interesting year, but you're right. No, normally this does not happen. Normally this is Northwest conference. It's not this way. And, uh, <laughs> you get to know each other too much and, you know, and we're still, we'll still, still, you know, we play uh, Lewis and Clark and Fox. We're both in the hunt still for the last spot. So we're going to end up probably seeing one of those teams next week for the playoffs. So right. if with every, if, you know, familiarity is always a little bit risky. So, um, we'll see, we'll see how we do, but the, I think, you know, I'm, I am proud of how we've weathered all the, the, uh, I don't know what you say it because it's COVID it's travel. It's, it's just right. been one thing after another. And you just, our kids have really just rolled with it. Um, and it has been pretty at times. I honestly, I was a couple of times, it, you know, and I felt like even at the Santa Cruz game, we played really well for three quarters and then we just lost our mojo. We really lost our momentum and we just couldn't get it back. So one of the things we learned from that game is, you know, we, we've gotten better at that. And I think that really helped us, you know, this last weekend at PLU, we just played. PLU played out of their heads. They played awesome. That take nothing against those. Take nothing away from them. We weren't playing great, and we went to our bench, got a good lift, and then found a way to outscore in twenty to six down the stretch. It was like okay, mm. learned we that had we not had some of those really early season struggles, maybe we we don't pull that off. Um, so, got to build on it. So we'll see. Well, and to all of that, you talk about the schedule being a little wonky, especially early on and playing all those games. You know, there's there's a couple things that came out even in the second half. First off, you know, during that stretch where you said you played four and six, I did the math, four and six, six and eight, uh, something like eight and ten or something crazy like that. Most of those games were at home. So you end up benefiting to some degree, but that has a back end to it in the sense that you went through a stretch uh, in February where you were nothing but on the road. And January and February, you played six of eight on the road in conference, just a quirk. But then also that Santa Cruz game took place 
the 20th of December. And because of all those delays you talked about, you don't play again until January 14th, which is just strange. And you have to sit there kind of still licking the wounds to some degree. There's a lot going on there in the head. (laughs) Uh, You nailed it. Yeah. Isn't it fun? Um, Yeah, (laughs) it was. It was. And, you know, and and I think... you know, I, we talked about it. I mean, we're just, we talked about it. We, we got really tired of practicing. So oh, nice sure. Part, I mean, the nice part was we got back, um, a little later than our men, t- our men were here like a week earlier than that. Cause they were supposed to play a, a non-conference, but, um, kids were ready to go. They're just ready to play somebody. They didn't, you know, they didn't care who it was Bring an NBA team and they just want to play somebody. <laughs> Bring you on know, the men's team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, let's go, let's get a game. And, uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where it's just, um, it was, COVID has created some really, I thought I'd seen it all. I've been doing this for, this is my 31st year as a head coach. Right. And I've been doing a long time. COVID brought on some very unique, interesting challenges that we've kind of rewritten the book on some, how we handle it. So, <laughs> and, and just, oh, and it feels like it's one of those hold my beers. Yeah. Just, just wait. We, we got another twist coming. Maybe who knows? I, you just, I you, <laughs> no, I don't want any more, but it's just, it's amazing how, I know going into, I dealt with fall sports, things that had its bumps, but nothing major. We get into, you know, November, we're like, hey, basketball's starting up. Things are looking good. We'll be, we'll be careful. But, and then Omicron comes around you're like, oh my Lord, here we go again. It's just, you just never know. And and I'm really impressed with the resiliency of a lot of teams. Um, Tell me a little bit about the team individually. You got uh, Kaylee McCracken leading the way, 18 points a game. Corn Baker, 11.3. We always call the ones close to 10 points as double figures. So, Kaylin, uh, <laughs> Shamslindin? It's Shamsildeen. Oh, Shamsildeen. Yeah. I actually can say that easier than the other version I was going for. <laughs> uh, 9.7 points. And we should point out, by the way, McCracken, basically a double-double, 9.7 rebounds on top of that. Um, those are the three. Really, Sydney Abbott, we should count two, uh, eight points a game. Those are the – it seemed like the core four. Yeah. Obviously, you play a lot of players. I'm looking at a whole host of them that have come off the bench for you. But tell me about that four, and we'll get to the rest. The four. I mean, you got to leave with Kaylee. I mean, she's – I really feel like the last three weeks, she's even picked it up, you know, even more. Um, good. She's just a great scorer. You know, she loves she loves to score. She's got a nose for the rim. Uh, very efficient free throw shooter, so you don't want to foul her. Um, but she, when we play at our best – Kaylee's rebounding offense. When mm. Kaylee Kaylee's going to get boards defensively and offensively, we're we're like it just pushes us to another level. She's just um, can't hardly pry the ball out of her hands. You know, she's she's just such a strong. I always I always give her a hard time just kind of like because she's only you know we list her like I think five ten and she's yeah you know she just bangs. I'm not sure she's she is five ten on the list. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a give. Um, maybe yeah. give her an inch. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, but she's she just gets it done. She knows how to use her body. She knows how to use. Uh, she just knows how to. She just has great timing. You know, she really does. And so, I mean, she obviously you have to have you have to have that 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 player who brings it. And her consistency has been, like you said, the double double. She's been very impressive the last three weeks. And so I think she's won all but like three weeks in a row our conference player. Of the week. I did notice. Yeah, yeah, she was rolling them up, but deservedly so because she was putting right. numbers up, and we were winning. And so, and then her her counterpart uh, is a sophomore. That's Corinne Baker, and Corinne um, Corinne is you know shooting really high percentage. Um, they're a tough, they're a tough, they're a tough handful. 
um, we don't match up with some teams in our conference because we've kind of got a real two post structure going on. Uh, uh, offensively, defensively, then they've got it on the flip side. They got to deal with our double-headed monster too. So um, Corinne's really starting to come along. She's, you know, she's only a sophomore. She has her ups and her downs. She only had, you know, she's a sophomore that had 11 game freshman season. So she's right. still very much developing. Um, Just but, starting to get into what is a sophomore campaign. Exactly. And she's, she's really, that's such a hard worker. I think, you know, she's got a really bright future, but um, strong, really strong. And, and I mean, and people focus on Kaylee, then Corinne, Corinne, does her business i mean she right. just takes her business so those two have complemented each other really well um and you mentioned kaylin uh kaylin yeah. so kaylin came back for a very unusual fifth year for a Whitman student we don't have grad school right yeah and it took another major on um, wow yeah i think you know just uh really has become you know everybody talks about her shooting because she's kind of you know she she can get really hot and she and she did at ups she heated up pretty well but the thing that Kaylin does for us is she's such a good defender she's a defender she's a hustler she rebounds and um has really added that dimension to her game so I can hardly I feel like I can't hardly take her off the floor sometimes because she's chugging on all those cylinders she usually has that tough matchup for us at the guard spot um and just plays plays so hard and uh it's I'm glad she's having a good senior year um she had a really nasty injury in her last game um mm. in our little little 11 game season last year was her senior night and she got her her arm actually fractured in two like pulled mm. in a weird direction so she's come back i am just come through a ton of surgeries and uh rehab so to come back and just she just wanted a shot to play in another nc tournament that's what she wanted and just really a team kid and um and then you know sid is sid is one of those kids i don't sid has i mean she is a i guess as a freshman sophomore at um because I guess she got another year um she you know she's an all-conference player yeah for Whitworth and then um you know she transfers to us and you know she's kind of taking a backseat scoring wise and is really you know it but she's still I mean one of her post passers great defender um just brings so much energy to what we do so she was a she's a great compliment with this group so and when we need her to score she can go score um so that's kind of our, yeah, that's our kind of our leading four, but the depth is, you know, the depth has been, thank yeah. goodness for the depth, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> uh, by the way, to, to add to the wit-wit uh, rivalry, Sydney transfer. Yeah, yeah, Sydney transfer. From worth <laughs> to men, uh, that just <laughs> stirs the pot. Um, well, to, to some of your points, you know, McCracken's got 9.7 rebounds per game. She's got twice as many rebounds as Baker, but Baker's got as, twice as many rebounds as, as Kalen. Yeah. Um, and then we, we mentioned Sydney. She's got 76 assists. She's second on the team to Taylor Chambers. And that's where the rest of this depth is. She's got 82 rebounds per contest. But uh, outside of that five, one, two, three, four, five, you play another five almost every game. And you've got another four that you play two thirds of the time off that bench. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's, and that's what I always find when you get to the NCAAs or you get to this point in the season is the teams that have a bit of depth. You can't be short. You can yeah. shorten your bench. Yeah. You can certainly do that in the NCAs with media timeouts and all that. But you need depth in case someone's off, someone gets injured, something like that. And so I don't remember when you've been this deep. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember this kind of depth with you, your your squads in the past. No, no, we've never been this deep. We And and I made the comment to my assistants, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I go, I feel like, and I think it's a compliment to the kids, I don't mean it in a bad way. I haven't been able to even settle on a rotation some 
really because um, they just keep battling for those minutes and our practices are solid. You know, there's, um, there's a mix. There's a mix of some really experienced uh, juniors, you know, some kids that have played a little bit, but again, they didn't get a sophomore season. So they're kind of soft. I call them super softs. Um, But um, you know, they're, they're just starting to come into their own and, and, and they've had some big moments for us um, and played some good minutes, but there's just times I, I feel like, you know, I go to one person and they're playing, go to the next one and they start playing really well and they start to take the momentum. It's been, uh, yeah, we, I thought we were pretty deep in 1920. I thought we had decent depth. Yeah. This, this is even, um, cause we went, you know, and played in Iowa without Makana and Kaylee really stepped up and a couple of, you know, Natalie and some of my seniors really took on different roles, but this has been all year. <laughs> it's been really unique and it has its, it has its real positives. And then I think, you know, but the kids, you know, they're, they all just want to play. And so they want to know, Oh, where, where do I fit in? And it's like, right. wow, I don't know what game are we, what, you know, what day are we, you know, it's, they, they really uh, battled each other, which has made it, it's made it fun. It's made it fun to coach. I mean, they're, they're a fun group to coach because they compete so hard. That's, that's always fun. Yeah. Hey, I want to switch gears a little bit. You talk about the national committee and the work you're doing there. And obviously regional rankings, by the way, a little shot at Polly. I remember talking to Polly. I said, Oh, you're not on the committee anymore. And she says, cause they had said with 10 regions and with COVID anybody last year, especially the seniors for lack of a better description, one more year. And Polly's like, well, they've already got a rep in region 10 cause they got moved into region 10. I'm like, Oh, that's right. You have yeah. Michelle sitting there in region 10. <laughs> so first off, as a rack, you're dealing with a different region than you've than you've had in the past. Um, you don't have as much of that uh, Mississippi River area uh, of the upper kind of Midwest of the of the country, but now you've got Texas. So just on the rack side of things, and I'm not looking for particulars. I'm just looking for a kind of a flavor. How has it been adjusting to kind of evaluating a different looking region that you've had in the past? You know, uh, I got so familiar with the Mayak. You know, uh, right. I did. I mean, and, uh, you know, those and got to know those Minnesota schools. And um, I'm not, I can't say that as, as we played, we played Trinity, you know. We've oh, been sure. Yeah. Yeah. We played Texas, Dallas, um, Mary Harden. I mean, I'm familiar with the league. But um, not in a numbers way. Not, not in a numbers way. And, and even, um, you know, there's always a little bit of an art to the science and it's trying to understand like, I understand the Skyak. I, I mean, we play them a lot. We see them a lot. I understand, obviously, I understand our conference, but I, I don't, like, I don't really understand the, what's the word for it? Uh, the, what, you know, what is, what is the dynamic within, you know, um, you know, the, the SWAC? Because they travel so much. Sure. You know, um, you know, I know Trinity's running the table right now. They've got a good team. They're running the table. But, you know, what if they get upset? You know, what is, what does that mean? I don't, I don't understand it as well. And so I, I, we've had some, we've had some really long rack calls, I'll be honest, just really trying to talk through, um, cause we're trying to get to know each other, to be honest, um, you know, cause they're not as familiar. They're more familiar with the Northwest conference. I feel like with me, um, we've gone down there, we've played. Um, so they kind of have an idea. They've come out. Trinity was out this right, year. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but th- there's also the Skyak, and there's not a lot of Texas Skyak crossover um, right now. Uh, True. And so we're we're it is it has been different. Um, the still the same. It's the same. Uh, what's the word for it? It's it's almost a, we have less crossover with the rest of Division Three than we did when I was doing 
the Mayak because the Mayak played a lot of Wisconsin and, and Iowa, Illinois. Yeah, I see what you're saying. True. You're more Texas, isolated to some we're degree. More, we're almost more isolated because the Texas schools play yeah. two leagues and they cross over a lot. Didn't think and, of that. Yeah. And so um, I found that that's the one thing I'm probably um, struggling the most with is trying sure. to, I don't have a lot of push points when I'm talking on the national committee about um, trying to explain who we, who we are as a region. Yeah. Not as many crossovers as we had with the, when we were with the Mayak. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that's probably been my, my learning curve. And I, and, and I'm trying because my job is to help region 10. You know, that's my job is region 10 needs to be on the national board. What is the conversation? How do we compare? And I'm some days I feel like I'm, I'm missing the mark a little bit. Cause I, I'm not, I have to make region one understand. I have to make region five understand. Yeah. Um, and, and because that's how the national committee operates is we had, we were looking at um, the big picture. We got to look at the big picture and who fits the criteria. And sure. So that's been my biggest struggle. I, I knew it was going to be different. I, I just didn't identify, I think my challenges early enough. So I'm getting better at arguing a little bit. And, <laughs> it, um, and it is and in a very, it's a very professional congenial, you know, manner, but it is just so hard when you have teams in other regions um, who play yeah. the UAA. We don't play the UAA. We don't, we just don't get those games. Um, we've crossed over with the NESCAC on occasion, but um, we just don't. And, and Texas doesn't either. Texas doesn't have those games. True. Well, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting. Uh, it's just interesting. Colorado college came out with, that's probably our one yeah. kind of, point is Colorado College has played a little bit of more of a, a national schedule but well and the other aspect of it too and I've heard this from some RAC members is you know with this 20 percent versus the 15 to 21 in the past you're ranking even deeper than you would ever rank in the past and I know that's adding to the time it's gotten you know that's something I think you know we may have to revisit our, our target yeah, I think so <laughs> it, it's been it's been, um, we're splitting hairs long before we should be splitting hairs. We're sure. getting into the weeds where um, on some teams that uh, just probably aren't legitimate on the board, I guess, kind of teams. Now, you know, anything can happen. This is the crazy time of year. You know? right. So, I mean, we have to prepare ourselves. There might be some upsets and, um, you know, what happens if there is an upset in, you know, I alluded to, you know, Trinity's conference, you know, so what Trinity doesn't run the table. They don't win the conference. Right. You know, we've got to have all that together um, so that we can really compare Trinity as an at-large or Whitman as an at-large or whoever yeah. at large. And that's, that's the burden I feel is, um, you know, I want to, I, we just don't have as many comparison points and that's been the life of the people out here in the West, what we used to call the West region, now the region 10, that's our, that's our, that's our reality. I just feel like this is even more this year. I feel, yeah. feel we're a little more isolated than we've been in the past. I can't go, well, St. Thomas though played Whitewater. Yeah. Da 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 da. I don't we don't have that type of um, it's like the I don't know what the word is for it. It's like the uh, I always think of the Kevin Bacon thing, the seven, you know, no, the seven, seven degrees things. of separation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting sure. cut off at number three right now, Dave. I can't get to the fourth or the fifth or the sixth. Yeah. Makes I, sense. Yeah, so we, that's that's and that's my challenge is on, on the rack um, is to just try to try to be the advocate and explain and and also listen. I think that's the other part of it. I have to listen to what I'm hearing from um, other conferences in terms of when they talk about their teams 
and and um, and that's probably been the thing. I'm doing. I've been doing a lot more. I've just been listening a lot. Um, sure. A little bit of attitude, a lot of listening to try to get a feel, but because we just don't see each other. You know, we really need more. We need Nebraska and you know <laughs> Oklahoma. A little more in the middle, right? Raise <laughs> them in the middle, but we're not. It's not going to happen. They're 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 an AI. If they are, it's real slow. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be helpful. <laughs> Um, on that token, and I'm not trying to say the team has to win, but from, from this perspective, how important is it to go and get this AQ, lock up the conference, get it done with so you're not at the table so that, A, you can participate in the national call and don't have to at some point step aside and not be involved because Whitman's at the table and then, of course, wait until you're hopefully picked. But on top of that, make sure your backup doesn't have to step in for you until absolutely necessary or not necessary at all. It's a strange question, but how important is it to lock things up so you can stay involved with where you need to be involved? You know, I, I look at it from I exactly what you're saying. And we've 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 been five times and four times we went as an outlarge. We've only won the tournament once. So yeah. So, you know, I, I I think resume building is the most important thing. And I think we've we've done a res we've built our resume as long as we continue to to take care of business. Um, but I always tell our players when you get to this time of year, it's you, you want to go out with the idea that just to win. You yeah. just gotta get that, you gotta get that playoff mindset. Win it, you know, it's that survive and advance type of mindset. And you know, um, and focus more on playing well. If we play well, we, you know, we we're gonna be just fine. Um, where when we didn't show up, like on Saturday for three fourths of the game, we're we're gonna struggle. It has to be more focused on us. Um, I think the kids, the kids the kids know that it would be, they, they want, and you know, and the other part of it is, Dave, is we're going to host the Northwest Conference as long as we, if we went on Thursday, we'll host on Saturday, because that's how we do things here, and so it's wanting to win at home, too. Yeah, sure, yeah. You know, wanting to win at home, because those could be our last home games, you know. Um, you right. Know, I was teasing Kelly about, you know, I, I said, well, I know you're not going to say anybody, well, well, so I just, I told her, I said, you know, I, I, you know, I, 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 was, I was trying to sell the wine to her thing, but whatever. Anyway, but I, you know, but she's always so great. She goes, now if you, yeah, I'll get it to you. And she has, I mean, I, I just teasing her, but. Well, I mean, you'd have to be upset to guarantee your home for the first weekend. I mean, it's kind of a twist, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so unless something crazy happens, the real twist is you need to be upset to guarantee you stay home for the NCAA tournament. But if you're upset then all these other things roll off and that's not <laughs> ideal either. It, it's a, it's a horrible catch 22. It's a, it is, it is. And it's, it's just, uh, it's our reality out in the yeah. world West and uh, you know, and, and, you know, I just, we just try to focus on other things and we don't even talk sure. about it. You know, we don't even talk about I don't blame it. You. I'm rolling it over in my head. Like, okay, you know, right now I'm, I'm, you know, uh, it's, it's just that, uh, you know, we were on the road the last two weekends and had to play, Right. The number two team and the number three team in our conference, basically, basically two tied for each other. So tied for second. And so my focus just on, we got to survive these two road trips. We can get home. Yeah, <laughs> I was right. like, you know, and we barely, and we, and we did, but barely. And so, um, but I, yeah, we've had that conversation, Dave, you know, um, it's just, that's our, you know, and that's just not something that I hate to say it, but that's not the reality for 80% of division three. No, absolutely. No, we're, no. And we, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're certainly aware of that. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's the way the division's just made up and and right and wrong, and we can circle the drain a hundred times on it. But it is the challenge for you. It's a challenge for the Skyac. 
As you yeah. mentioned, we've talked about the challenges in Texas too. Hey, could talk to you forever. I know you're busy though. You got a lot to do. I I, I don't want to keep you too long, but I appreciate the in-depth understanding of the team, but also a little bit of the national call and conversation. Um, uh, good luck with all of it. I, I yeah. think. Well, I no, think. I think thanks for all that all you do. And I, I, this is kind of a unique, this whole revealing the top 16 and the work we're yeah. doing more early work this year as a committee than we did. And you know, only have really 2020 to really compare it to, um, but right. we've put in a lot of hours and I think the committee is really, we're excited to have a championship. It's been two, you know, two years since we've been able to host, you know, the final yeah. so um, it's the committee has been, we've been working earlier and harder than I think my recollection in 20, you know, no, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And so this is just, it's yeah. And I, so I just had to shut my brain off from all of that and time to get ready for two tell you what two scary teams coming to wall yeah. they're battling they're battling each other to get that last spot and uh so we we need to be ready well so. and we know the history of george fox you know to see yeah. them in that situation is odd so you know that they can come out and get you so yeah, like a lot on your plate i realize yeah. and i no, you too well, thank you for everything dave Appreciate well thank you I, we always I'll, I'll just always say we always finish with the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in uh, I just want to say thanks to so many people in the NC2A who are really going to make this happen this year. It has been a long couple of years and, you know, not having a championship for our sport in our division. And so uh, it's, yeah, hoping I'm doing my part, you know, but uh, still, you know, it was that having that tournament canceled in yeah. 2020 and still being and not you usually lose out you you know you finish your season because of something you've done you lose your right. season or you win a championship it's one extreme or the other that that was really one of the more difficult things to deal with as coach was um and then not understand what we're getting ourselves into for the next right. two and a half three years um and so i'm i would just you know i'm i'm thankful to all the people who have been very committed to getting getting this back despite the fact we're still still working around COVID and still working with COVID. I, I, the commitment has been awesome. So. Yeah. Well said. Well, good luck this weekend. Good luck the rest of the way. We look forward to chatting with you down the road. Take care of yourself. Hope so, Dave. Take care. <laughs> now joining us on the blue frame technology hoops. Oops. Uh, that was on loop. <laughs> that was Michelle Ferentz. Join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her coming on about Whitman. Great chat with her. Probably one of the more in-depth conversations we've had with Michelle. Um, we've always had good conversations with her. She's been receptive to when we've asked questions about her the scheduling. Um, I'm honest. I'm I'm still surprised that she claimed or says says that they have trouble uh, with scheduling and getting teams to play them when the men don't. Um, but I I I just there are dynamics I don't. No, and so we'll take it at face value. And, and I think that's also, though, one of the reasons, again, they're they're sixth in the nation, they're second in their region, but they're not in the top 16. <clears throat> and I think I, she knows that. I mean, we're not, we're not speaking anything new here. But great conversation with her. Appreciate it. And, and fascinating conversation, too, about, you know, that, that region 10 is now really the isolation region. It's the three islands all combined. Um, I guess it, I knew that obviously from the get-go, I just, I, I didn't put two and two together. Uh, let's quickly look at the top. I, we didn't do this top of the show cause we were so busy with top 16 and everything else, but top 25 so far this week on the men's side, um, lacrosse lost to stout 76, 66 kind of surprised me a little bit there. 
Um, Elmer's lost to Milliken, 74-64. I don't have Elmer's in my top 25. Um, but we're all over the place, to be honest with you, as voters. Nichols, who I do have in my top 25, lost to Suffolk, 89-83. They're not in the top 25. They're receiving votes. The only two that lost in the top 25 going into today were Lacrosse and Elmer's. Um, Nichols lost receiving votes. Hanover lost to Transylvania receiving votes. Calvin lost to Hope, which we talked about earlier. DeSales lost to DelVal. Um, that is on the men's side. On the women's side... I think it's a little bit better, certainly, uh, than than anything else. Uh, actually, I'm wrong. Uh, Whitewater lost to Oshkosh. That was mentioned on the top top 16 show by Will Haskett because Whitewater is seventh in that top 16, but that data was before that game. That was done through the weekend. So Whitewater lost to Oshkosh 60-57. to Baldwin-Wallace lost number 13, John Carroll, 67-54. Wisconsin Lutheran lost to St. Norbert, 59-56. And Catholic lost to E-Town, 65-57. Nobody in the receiving votes category on the women's side lost. So there you go. Interesting um, juxtaposition on those. Uh, Twitter's been somewhat quiet, other than the big win by Yeshiva. Again, big win in the second half. I think I read they held um, St. Joseph's to, what was it? What did I read it? Five points in the last five minutes? What was it? Hold on. Um... Where is it? I just had it, and of course I lost it. Uh, so, oh, here we go. I know why I couldn't find it. Um, yeah, so 31 points in the second half and 12 points over the last 10 minutes. So St. Joseph held to 12 points in the last 10 minutes by that Yeshiva defense. Pretty stout. Uh, and by the way, that's Yeshiva's first ever national uh, win over a nationally ranked team. Um, so congratulations. Listen, that game got put together at the last minute or somewhat the last minute it got thrown together because both teams had lost some games. So hats off that they played each other. It, uh, we don't have any undefeated teams left on the men's side. We have three left on the women's side. So there you go. Uh, all right. So programming notes, we'll be on the air Monday at, uh, seven o'clock Eastern time. Then next Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern time. Then next Sunday, Time to be determined, either 5 or 6 p.m., and then next Monday at 7 o'clock. We'll tweet that all out so you all know what's coming. Uh, there is a lot to talk about. Whether we stick to the regions like we normally have, uh, I can't say for sure, but we'll do our best um, and uh, lots to talk about. Uh, again, I want to thank our guests for coming on tonight. First, Mike uh, Shower of Wheaton and Megan Wilson of Luther for coming on as the committee chairs and chatting with us. Really do appreciate that. Um, we will talk to them next week at some point. Usually we put them as part of our selection show. And then, uh, I want to thank, um, Brendan, uh, (laughs) sorry, I, I second guess how to say Brendan's name because I I don't want to screw it up. And, and I have, I've screwed it up on more times than I can, I can count, uh, in my head. And so that's why the hesitation, but uh, I want to thank, um, uh, Brendan for coming on the show and talking to us, Brendan. Twomey, Twomey from Farmingdale State. Uh, great to chat with him uh, and get an idea of things out there. Uh, Greg Mitchell from Hope. Really appreciate his uh, efforts to be on the show. Um, I also want to thank Nick DePillo and Michelle Ferenc. Unfortunately, we missed out on Christine Van Hook out of Penn State Barron. But again, um, we believe she got tied up with her foster children. And we uh, tip the hat of that. And we will work to get her on in the next week. Um, 
and so we can hear from her because her program certainly deserves some attention. I want to thank the SIDs certainly for their help uh, at each of those institutions. Um, the, uh, Jill Yama, by the way, just hats off at PS uh, at Penn State Baron. Really help appreciate her assistance. A- Alan Babbitt, obviously at Hope. Uh, Dominant Dominic, I'm going to say your last name probably wrong, but I'm going to do my best. Shahovsky at Farmingdale State. I really appreciate his time that he gave us uh, through all of this. Uh, Joe uh, Fritz Henry at Scranton, new SID there. We we miss our friend Gatto, uh, but wish him the very best in his career. And John Barry at Whitman. Thank you for their help here tonight on the show. Um, again, we'll be on the air Monday. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. Uh, lots of ways to, and we'll happy to answer questions. This is kind of the crazy nuts. We've got 10 days left. Because the 27th, we're going to be talking about who's in the tournament and who's not. Um, so really appreciate uh, everybody helping us out. Uh, I've been going back with Scott Peterson about that Hope Women's schedule. He just tweeted, it says, uh, an awful non-conference slate, Edgewood, Mount Union, Finlandia, Benedictine Central, Illinois College, Baldwin Wallace, Grace Bible, Aquinas. I will say this, Scott, for that thought. I don't think Edgewood's horrible, but it certainly isn't helping them. Mount Union is usually pretty good, last I checked, unless I'm missing something. Um, hold on a minute. Uh, Mount Union women are, well, they're 9-12 this season, so I take that back. They've been pretty good. Susie Vanette's had a good team, but you, you got a point there. Finlandia has a, a winning record, but it's not helping them. Benedictine's not helping them. Central, certainly, I get all that. And Grace, Bible, and Aquinas, I agree with you. I, I don't understand why those games are still being played in this day and age. Um, but yeah, so that's that hope conversation we were having earlier. Um, yeah. And a lot of those conversations are going to continue on Twitter, on D3 boards. Please check out D3boards.com register, join the conversation. It's worth having. want to thank our partners at the national association of basketball coaches. Also want to thank our partners at blue frame technology. You won't forget you can stream via team one sports app, either on Apple TV, Roku TV, Android TV, or Amazon fire TV. Also want to thank our partner at Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Of course, everybody at D3Hoops.com. Gordon Mann, Ryan Scott, and Pat Coleman among them. But, of course, want to thank all those who have helped us along the way as well, including uh, Ira Thor and some others. Uh, really appreciate it, everybody, for your hard work. Um, it's always fun to have uh, everybody on board and, and working hard. So, um, again, we'll be on the air Monday. That will be around all weekend. And uh, we'll be back on the air next Thursday as well, all leading up to selections here in the next 10 days. It's a conference tracker has been posted on D3 Hoops as well. We'll have the regional rankings next week uh, and lots of other good stuff. So, yeah, great show tonight. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. If you've got questions for us, you can always find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and elsewhere. Good night, everybody. Have a great one. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. We'll see you back here on Monday night.